It was a particularly brisk autumn evening, I remember. Um, I had just saved that small child from the well, and I never for- I'll never i never forget the last thing that he said to me. He said, thanks, mister. You should start a podcast. What are you and doing? I- I'm practicing what I'm going to say for the documentary about Attack of the Killer Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing an episode on documentaries, not making a documentary. Oh. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. 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 <laughs> and welcome everybody to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike. And this episode, we're going apparently we're going to be talking about documentaries. You gave away how it all started, though. That's the (laughs) (laughs) now you know the humble beginnings of Attack of the Killer podcast. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, documentaries about horror movies or horror-themed documentaries, um, all that great fun stuff. So it's pretty broad topic. Yeah, I feel like we're only going to get to scratch the surface, but yeah, barely. So this could be another one that. We come back to in future episodes, but sure, yeah. But before we do that, we should probably introduce you to the podcast crew, probably right? Should right. First up, the documentary in his life makes Robert Crumb look like a well-adjusted member of society. Jason Bollinger. Hey, I know what that means. <laughs> sure. I mean, thanks, buddy. <laughs> hey, everyone. Next up, he thinks Faces of Death is a comedy. Brian Clark. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Coming soon, uh, she starts her reality TV show, Librarians of, Librarians of Horror Podcasts, Terry Turford. That sounds really boring. <laughs> hey, everybody. Next up, he made a documentary, and it's called Hearts of Darkness. Not only because he left the lens cap on the camera while shooting. Justin Beam, everybody. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> and lastly, yeah, he unfortunately got recasted in the John Stalter story. <laughs> John Stalter. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I, I like tripped over all of those intros. All right, start Here's over. That. It's like normal. I don't always. Just when you're counting. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, how's everybody doing? Kick ass. Good. Good. Anybody have any killer news before we get into uh, the documentaries? Um, I don't know if it's really news, but uh, the Indiegogo page and trailer for the new Scott Shermer movie is uh, up called Plank Face. You guys familiar with his work? He did Found and Harvest Lake. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, and of course, yeah. Plank Face looks like it'll be uh, beautiful and fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, he's one of the few directors that I will just blindly follow. I found is one of the best movies I've seen in the last ten years, and Harvest Lake is just so odd and beautiful. Can't wait to see what he does next. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I still haven't. I mean, I know of Harvest Lake basically from like. Uh, going to cons and stuff, but uh, I still haven't seen it. So, 
I need to check out his work for sure. Uh, I don't really have any killer news either. Um, I just, but I just, I wanted to bring up Lights Out and what everybody's thoughts are on that movie. Everybody familiar with that one that's coming out? It's coming out July twenty second. Oh, it's yeah? like oh, the yeah. Yeah, I saw. I've seen the trailer film. for it too. Yeah, yeah. Based off that yeah, short. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that I watched the trailer. I heard that there was going to be one, but they played it before uh, the Conjuring two. That's how I saw the trailer. Yeah, uh... and it, it's on the Shallows as well. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Well, I just watched it before recording, and like, I love the short film, but I, you know, think it's only effective as a short film. And I'm like, how are they going to stretch that out to an hour and a half? But the trailer did look pretty good, I thought. It doesn't look too bad. Yeah. I just wanted to know everyone else's thoughts on it. Yeah, some things it's impossible to know because they're going to have to dig into backstory and flesh that thing out in a way that we can't even imagine right now. We have no idea what it could be. And the trailer, the trailer kind of gives you a hint, but as you know, trailers can be a lot of things, not always right on the nose in terms of what you can expect. So I reserve judgment. I think it's cool that the lady from the, the short is the one featured in the trailer at the beginning. I think that's pretty cool. I'm not sure how much she had to do yeah. with the film, but I like that she's in there. That shows that there's some pretty nice consideration paid for the, for the short. And that is cool and all, but I gotta say though, I was a little worried at first when I was watching the trailer, and they kind of showed, you know, basically what the short film is, and I I found the short film to be far more effective than I guess maybe because I've seen it first and many many times, but so I was a little worried. But as the trailer went on, I I could see where a, where a really neat story could develop out of this. So you know, I'll go see it. All right. <laughs> so, documentaries. Yes. Jason, what's a documentary? You know, it's that thing with uh, all the talking. That documents things. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, <laughs> who wants to start us off? Um, John, what about you? What's a good doc, uh, horror documentary? It's, I don't know. It's maybe not the best one I've ever seen, but I rewatched a, a documentary on Dario Argento that I bought, I don't know, many, many years ago. World of Horror? No, this one's called An Eye for Horror. Oh, okay. I don't know that it's, one. I mean, it's, it starts off, you know, talking about, you know, his home life. Like his, uh, was it, his dad was a filmmaker and then his mom was a photographer. So he was always, you know, fully enveloped in art and stuff like that. I mean, his mom being a photographer obviously helped with his, uh, you know, cinematography and stuff like that. And how, you know, like Suspiria is so uh, yeah. colorful and oddly beautiful. Uh, but it has a lot of great interviews with John Carpenter, um, George Romero. Mm. Uh, I think, let's see, even uh, Alice Cooper is in there and whatnot. And it's just it's just talking about who he is and the movies that he's made and why, you know, so maybe like uh, why his divorce from... Uh, Dario Nicolotti, you know, maybe affected how he made this movie or that movie. But, I mean, it's it's only, like, an hour long. But it's still a very solid documentary about the man's life. Is it, so, is it a little more current? Uh, I think it's from 2000. <laughs> so not super current, but... No, yeah. But way more current than uh, World of Horror. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. <clears throat> where where did you uh, find that? I found it for like three bucks at uh, Half Price Books. Oh no, kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I bought it a long time ago. I want to say I yeah. saw part of it on TV somewhere, and I just yeah happened to see it. And of course, I was going to pick it up because it's Dario Argento. So it was kind of kind of cool getting some backstory on his movies and who he worked with and how he got a start. Cool, cool. Yeah, I love me some Argento. I'm gonna have to check that out. Anybody mm-hmm. else? Anybody else that's seen it? Not okay. That one. Cool. But you've seen um, the older one, then, right, John? World of Horror, or yeah, World of I Horror. I want to say I've seen part of it, but I honestly can't remember. But I know of it. But yeah, I can't yeah. remember if I've seen it or not. Uh, Justin, I know you've you've seen that one because you actually have my copy of it. Yeah, and I realized that I I had it already too so mm-hmm. after i've been watching it yeah that thing's fantastic i think that it's it's at a weird time when they shot it you know during yeah you know but um i love phenomena so much and i really appreciate that there's a lot of footage from that a lot of behind the scenes stuff from that in there yeah because you don't get um you, you know anytime brings anybody brings up argento you don't get a lot of a lot of talk about phenomena it's i think it's a little bit more of an underrated underrated film of his right because it's it's a great film and brilliant film and and when they made this documentary it was around the time they were shooting phenomenon and so there was a ton of behind the scenes on that movie so it's really cool for that if you're a fan of that movie yeah it's just great in general but especially for that yeah and it also makes me realize too like when he was when he was at the height of of his uh, of his filmmaking career during that time, you really got the feeling that why those movies work so much better than the stuff he's done over the past decade or so probably has a lot to do with with uh, you know not you know, of um, getting to do what he wants to do, not having producers you know controlling the situation or or the bud you know or um, budget restraints or anything like that because there's there's things the uh, the attention to to detail on things in that movie it's like no way you can you can make a movie like that nowadays like the scene in the car when the bee is to land on her hand yeah and what they went through to just shoot that little tiny scene mm-hmm. Like they t- they cut the top off of a car and built a a, um, a thing on top for like a guy to sit in. Then they surgically removed the stinger off of a bee, so it wouldn't kill the bee. And then also surgically implanted um, some fishing line. <clears throat> and then the and then the guy the guy in the uh, the top part of the car in this this little box that they built is controlling the bee via this the string and you know like a puppet like a marionette like getting it to land on her hand and fly away and all that stuff it's like crazy crazy nowadays it just shoot you know do it cgi or whatever and take a tenth of the time and tenth of the budget but yeah that's a really good one i, I really like I really like that one a lot yeah Terry, what about you? Documentary. Oh my goodness, there's so many. I love documentaries. Um, 
Well, let's go with more of a, a real-life documentary. I mean, they're all real life. That didn't make sense. I mean, not solely based around a movie. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Uh, Killer Legends. Did anyone else watch that? I think I've heard of it. I didn't get a chance to. Well, it's um, more of a true true crime documentary, which I'm obsessed with. I'm a crime show junkie, for sure. Um, but this one's interesting because it's a, a documentary that revolves around the true crime stories behind popular horror movies. So it kind of goes and delves into like the urban legends and the the inspirations behind these. So like there's a big section on uh, the town that dreaded sundown and the real, real story behind that, the real murders behind that. And they delve into the, uh, like the babysitter that gets the phone call when she's babysitting and all those sort of things that you see roped into movies all the time. And this movie's really cool because not only does it tell you like the real story and even shows you some crime scene photos, which is always scarier than any horror movie you can watch, but uh, they really, they link them to the movies and you can tell that the filmmakers are big fans of these horror films and they're really just trying to find the background behind them. It's really interesting for sure. Cool. Cool. And so so it's all just based on different like urban legends or like the true story of where some of these films come from or it, no it's it's all it, it delves into like the actual I mean there are like those those kind of archetypes like the uh oh like um the urban legend of the lovers lane killer like that's kind of mm. where like okay. so that they uh that's the story that they go and they examine the phantom killer from uh, Texarkana that was mm-hmm. inspired the town, the dreaded sundown. And it's really interesting. And there's the babysitter one. And they also delve into like, you know, the obsession over killer clowns and they really show the history of why some people are, have reason to really be terrified of killer clowns because it was a, an epidemic in areas like Chicago and things like that. Like it's, it's really interesting because sometimes you wonder where these things come from. Like where did these stories originate? And they really dive into it and really show you the research. It's really cool. As you talk about it more, I have actually seen this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I realize now, especially when you start talking about the the clowns Mm -hmm. and uh, I just don't remember it very well. It didn't, it didn't stick with me for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to remember, like, people were just seeing, like, random clowns around Chicago or something like that. Yeah, there there were several in- instances in Chicago, actually, uh, of killer clowns. It was strange that they were kind of condensed in that general area. But, yeah, people, like, uh, killer clowns that were kidnapping kids. And then there was, uh, um, uh, what's-his-face serial killer guy. Yes, thank you. He was in the Chicago area too, I believe. Like there were just a bunch of different instances. It's just crazy that that all happened up there. <laughs> I don't know what the obsession was, but it's also the same guy. Um, well, I don't know if he directed 
Yeah, he directed uh, Cropsey as well, so it's the same director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. But this, and it's on Netflix as well. It's newer. It, it came out in 2014, I think. It's awesome. Yeah, Cropsey is, Cropsy is a good one, too. I'm, I'm just having a hard time remembering that one as well. Yeah. <clears throat> You've seen Cropsey, John? Yeah, but it's it's been a few months since I watched it. But I, I remember enjoying it, but for some reason, nothing really has stuck out with me. And then you know, and it's it's interesting, you know, they they try to do, to dig into that legend, and I, I I really like the I really like those type of you know kind of more eerie. I find them creepier and eerie when they don't have the answer by the end, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like um, like the the Velisca documentary. Like I I I just find those like ultra creepy of just these unsolved. Unsolved cases. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that yeah. documentary is awesome too. What's that? Oh, that Velisca documentary. It's a fantastic movie. So good. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Cool. Cool. <clears throat> now, Justin, what about you? What would be a good documentary for people to check out? Oh man, there's so many. If, if we're to step over a boundary into the sci-fi world i highly 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 recommend dangerous days the the feature length actually longer than the film itself documentary on blade runner it's available on i think a number of the blu-ray editions of that but you can definitely get it on the complete blu-ray set that has all the different takes on the film that really scott's done that is probably my all-time favorite film documentary another one is on and this i'm going to be i have an article coming out on um shock to your drop about this like in a couple days here should be out by the time this is on the air Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea there's an hour and a half long documentary on the 2003 double disc dvd set of that that is unbelievable especially for a film made in 1954 it is so much behind the scenes footage stills i mean that set is packed anyway but the uh-huh. documentary on that is absolutely fantastic what i would say is um there's one with the i think it's called family portrait or something it's on the texas chainsaw massacre it's been on a couple different places oh yeah is it is it this family portrait it's just it's all the original family members talking about the making of Texas Chainsaw. Maybe that. Hold no. on just a second. Let me run and see what... Grab my disc. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> How about that seasonably appropriate sports team? Okay, Shocking Truth. That's the one. It's Texas oh, okay. Chainsaw Massacre, The Shocking Truth, which has... I mean, it's it's all in with every most pretty much everybody that was involved. Some behind lots of behind the scenes stuff and anecdotes, and it it's a feature length documentary as well. I, I really like that a lot. When was that one done? Is that you said that was done for the Blu-ray or no? It's it's included with that. It's okay. It, it was a standalone independent film, and it's been released on its own as well. So I think you can get it on its own as a disc, but I know that it's released with the Dark Sky set that came out a couple years ago, and I believe maybe one or two other releases as well, but Shocking Truth is so good. I can't get enough of that film, though. It's really good. There's an older one that's called um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Family Portrait, 
and it's all just the uh, going back and forth between the original four mem uh, four family members, and them just talking about the making of the film. Yeah, I've seen that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got that one on a standalone DVD. I don't know if it's ever been used as a bonus feature. Um, I think it's like a lot of it's shot on video or something, so it's it's probably a little lesser quality than what you would expect out of a out of a documentary about, especially a documentary about a classic film like Texas Chainsaw. But uh, a lot of great information, and I don't know if the one you're talking about has um, Jim Jim Sidow in it because it does. Yep. Oh, it does. Okay, yep. cool. But yeah, this one has a lot of Jim in it. Yep. So. Which is which is really cool since you know he's passed and we'll never hear those stories again from him. So yeah, this one I think was made around the time of part four because there's even a little bit at the very end. It talks it it's all about the first one until the last like ten minutes where they get briefly into the following films, and okay. and they and there's interviews you know like on on all of them uh, except for even on four. There's on set interviews that you see. And it talks about the struggle they had to get distribution on that and the whole lawsuit. So it does lift the veil on that as well. So for the whole series as a cool. whole, I really recommend The Shocking Truth, even though, again, it's predominantly about the original film. Cool, cool. All right, uh, Brian, what about you? Uh, I watched a flick called The Creep Behind the Camera. Have any of you guys seen hmm. that one? No. Uh -uh. You familiar with the movie The Creeping Terror? It's a oh, Mystery yeah. Science Theater episode. Okay. Yeah. Yep, absolutely yep, okay. dreadful movie. <laughs> but the Mystery Science Theater episode is great. But anyway, this, uh, The Creep Behind the Camera, it came out in 2014, uh, written and directed by a guy named Pete Sherman, or Sherman, something like that. Um, and it's about the the director and writer of The Creeping Terror, uh, or I guess yeah. he, he didn't, he commissioned a script and then changed a bunch of stuff, but uh, Art Nelson who also called himself Vic Savage and was apparently like if Ed Wood was a sociopath, like he was, a, you know, a con man, had the, you know, the talent level of Ed Wood, but was the kind of guy who'd, you know, find a pretty girl at a bar and be like, Hey honey, you know, give me $4,000 and come back to my apartment with me and I'll, uh, I'll make you a movie star. And, you know, he was convinced he was going to make the biggest, greatest monster movie Hollywood had ever seen. And you've seen the result, but, um, yeah, it's a killer carpet from our space. <laughs> but the problem I have with the movie is that it can't decide if it wants to be a talking head, like a factual documentary of people telling stories about the making of the movie, or yeah. if it wants to be an Ed Wood-style dramatization biopic, like with scripted parts and actors playing the roles. And oh, it, really? it falls far too heavily on the scripted side. Like there's a, there's, you can tell they had a lot of stories because towards the end, uh, the guy who is one of the stars of the movie says, uh, shut that camera off and I'll tell you one more. And you're like, well, but we've only heard you tell like two. <laughs> so clearly he, they have a lot of B-roll of this dude telling some crazy stories. But the problem really comes with how far the dramatization takes it. Like if you're going to imply that your skeezy director guy made kitty porn in order to gather completion funds for his shitty monster movie, you better oh you better provide some evidence for that. So yeah. it, the movie makes a lot of assumptions, and in the end, it leaves you with more questions than answers, but in a bad way. Like you were talking about how it's cool, you know, stuff like the Velisca thing where it's just a mystery yeah. we'll never know. Well, they've got people telling these stories right there, so... 
we could know, <laughs> but they don't. Yeah. They don't show enough of the people telling the stories. But there's, they they do a lot of. Uh, one of the main contributors is his ex-wife, and you know from the stuff she says about him, you know, being a stalker, like he stalked Mamie Van Doren one time apparently. <laughs> um, you know, he's an alcoholic, drug addict, uh, beat the oh, hell geez. out of her all the time. Uh, would bring women back to the apartment, just parade them right in front of her. Like, go take care of the baby, whoever. I'm going to go sleep with this actress in the bedroom. And Jeez. so, yeah, so he was a total fucking scuzzball anyway. But then to make those leaps of implication with the filmed parts and not give any actual evidence for it, just it was frustrating. Sure. Sure, yeah, I could get that. But I'd imagine, um, I'd imagine. Like doing a documentary on that, the making of that film has got. You would think it would be all the stories I've heard about that movie, um, the behind the scenes and the the director, that it would make for a pretty uh, pretty good documentary. Oh yeah, like the fact that the <clears throat> the whole movie is voiced over because he uh, lost the audio track in the lake or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, their recording machine got dropped into the. I forget what lake they were filming it by, but yeah, it <laughs> fell into the water and ruined the audio track. Like, oh, we'll just hire some guy to talk over it. <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing stuff. Now, that brings up a good, a good um, topic, though. Like, how do we feel about doing like reenactments within the documentary? Which is which is which is better? Which is worse? Like having dramatizations like that or just having a, a movie full of just talking heads? Well, I, You mean like Unsolved Mysteries style? <laughs> see, Unsolved Mysteries I think I think gets away with it. Maybe just because we all grew up on Unsolved Mysteries so it's okay. And it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it can be done, you know, if it serves the story you're trying to tell and you handle it in a way that that elevates the material rather than making it look like you're just making shit up to sensationalize your story and get people talking about your movie, then yeah, that would be fine. But like there, and, and they don't even handle the tone well within the scripted parts of creep behind the camera. Cause there's one part where years down the road after his wife had left him and taken the kids and hit the road, he tracks her down to wherever she's been living breaks into her house and you know at first he's pulling the typical sleazy guy like oh i'm so sorry i miss you honey please take me back and then he like immediately switches gears into rapey dude mode and she clocks him with an ashtray and then like he gets out you know she busted his scalp open and there's blood all over him and they light him like a monster so it looks like a horror movie and it it looks like it's going to take a really nasty turn and then her neighbors called in a noise complaint, so the cops knock on the door, and when the knock interrupts them, they just look at each other and shrug, and you half expect the blah, blah, blah sitcom music to come up. <laughs> it's like, really? You were just implying that he was going to, if not beat her to death, at least rape her, and then you turn it into a sitcom gag. It's, <laughs> So if it's done well, it could work, but it's done really not well at all in this. I don't know. For me to for me to for it not to take me out of the uh, the realism, it would ha- it has to be done in like sparing chunks, you know. Yeah. And not just kind of turn into a whole narrative scene. I don't know. 
Well, if, um, if I'm going to watch a documentary, I want it to be the real people telling their stories. To Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I get it. You have some of that to kind of fill in the holes. I was trying to, uh, Terry, I was trying to watch The, the Nightmare. Um, <clears throat> I, I've tried to sit through it a couple times now. Not that I... Not that I can't, not that I didn't like it. It's just uh, bad circumstances every time I try to watch it. But I think they go a little too far in the reenactment stuff. I don't know if you agree with that. Terry? Okay. Um, and the Sorry. fact that, like, that's okay. I was Were muted. You muted? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't think that the reenactments ever took me out of the movie i when it's when it's cheap halloween masks i yeah that kind of takes me out of it (laughs) i it didn't bother me i guess i watch enough of these cheesy true crime things though that (laughs) it doesn't phase me anymore yeah i just think if it was done I, i think it was if it was done a little bit more in um you know shadows and 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 maybe not show so much that it could have been a little bit more effective. Maybe, yeah. Possibly, but to yeah. each their own. That's true. To each their own. <laughs> Fuck does that mean? <laughs> Jason, what about you, documentary? Well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Let's do it. It's kind of the one... Well, I mean, there's so many good ones. And... And I I want to pick the one that like took documentaries to a whole new level. <laughs> that that superpowered the documentary. <laughs> okay. Never sleep again. Fucking was a game changer. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. A four-hour game changer. <laughs> it just goes to show. Thanks to Never Sleep Again, you can make. Um, and we've all sat through it at least once a piece. I've, oh, yeah. I've watched yeah. it multiple times. Yeah. That's what we I'm not want. Com- I'm not complaining. But, yeah, no, you're right. Because we've seen <laughs> all these supplemental, like, little mini docs on on individual films and stuff like that. And especially in the Elm Street series. But never has there been, like, a film that not only covers each film, but is, like... A full-length documentary about each film within the documentary, like leaving no stone unturned. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, very amazing. Very amazing. We has everybody seen Never Sleep Again? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. Good, because you would have got fired right there <laughs> if you hadn't seen it. Oh, it's been a while since I've seen it, though. I'm trying to think of uh, cool things that stand out that I learned from the documentary. No, yeah, it's all cool. I guess I never knew Rennie Harlan was homeless when he um, (laughs) was trying to get that job to do part four. That's something I learned from that documentary. And Hollywood is better for it. So so glad that he got to make more movies. <laughs> I know you're a big Cutthroat Island fan. Oh, it's but the it's best. Movies, yeah. I've never actually seen that, but I kind of want to just to see how bad it is. Yeah, same here. One of the things I took away from a lot of it was how much Rachel Talalay was involved with all of it. Yeah, I only, you know, I oh, yeah. I didn't know it was that much through the whole through thing. The whole franchise, yeah. Yeah, she was really the heart of the whole thing. A lot of people give Wes Craven the credit, but she was the big motivating force. And I think even that documentary, she's not... 
I still not even no. And and I, Rachel and I have started working on a book together. I don't know, maybe like five years ago or something. And we're talking now about picking it back up and getting it back on track. It's all about her adventures in Hollywood, and it began with Tank Girl, our our conversation, and it kind of blossomed into this whole book concept, and. She even feels now that she wasn't properly represented in that documentary. She's not super thrilled about it. Um, but the extent to which she was involved is only even hinted at there. Like she really was yeah. the motivating force behind that thing continuing. She was the creative thread sort of minder, thread minder, if you want to call it that, throughout the whole thing. And and then what's really sad is that Freddie's Dead is maligned by so many people. And I just don't understand yeah. it. I because they're so accepting of so many things in the franchise, and they just can't handle <laughs> Some that. Crazy one. fucking things. Yeah, yeah. It kind but then I like that one. problem. With I, I do like too. Six too. I it's I've when they go to the town and there's no kids and you know Creepy. Roseanne is. It's so goddamn uncomfortable there. It's just yeah. like uh, what the fuck? Right. It's very unnerving. I think maybe the problem is is that. You can't with with part six is that you can't meet the expectation. You can't you can't do a big publicity stunt like saying this is going to be the death of Freddy. This is the final one, and be able to be able to match that expectation with the audience. I think it was kind of kind of doomed from the start, unfortunately. So, I'm not saying anything about the film in general. I'm just saying <clears throat> I think. Maybe uh, the fans' expectations were too high. Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't. They they did a freaking you know funeral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Which I think is, I think that's great, but I could see why some people were like, oh Jesus Christ, this is so cheesy. How you know how's this movie gonna actually turn out? But yeah, I love seeing how involved Rachel was. That was that was eye opening, and if it, yeah. If it's even more than that, that's amazing. And thank her for me next time you see talk to her. <laughs> the end of that documentary when Wes is talking about how you know that's going to be on his tombstone. That's what he's going to be remembered for. Cause I I hadn't seen it until like right shortly after he died. Oh, so no. it was like seeing him up there saying that within you know within weeks oh, of man. his having passed it was like i didn't full-on like sob <laughs> but <laughs> i was just kind of staring at the tv like sad yeah. don't very, don't very lie sad. dude you called me crying at 3 a.m that night yes i did <laughs> <laughs> oh and no one can blame me for it though that's the thing we all shed a tear at that time and to stab that moment wow yeah Wow, really morbid, really creepy. But great doc, excellent. And you're right, Jason. It did. I I I, I paved the way. Now I don't think just for the full, ginormous retrospective of a franchise, but I just think it why it opened the door for standalone documentaries about horror films because it seems like there's been so many since that one. Um, you got the Crystal Lake uh, memories. That is got, fantastic. Uh, that I, I think that yes. that so far trumps Never Sleep Again in my mind, because no, Never Sleep Again is a really dis. Okay, so it it did a lot. 
it established a lot. It took what has been relegated to bonus features before and set them on its own. It was really expansive, but it's yeah. but it's pretty much a mess. I mean, in terms of like editing, the it, it's a bit disjointed as you're watching the whole thing. I went back and revisited it a couple of weeks ago, and I I just was struck with how kind of disorderly it is especially when up against or next to and you shouldn't compare one to the other but setting it you know bookending these being these two sort of oh, yeah. brother franchises with the uh, crystal lake memories which is stunning crystal lake memories is arguably the greatest horror documentary that has ever been made it is about the greatest horror franchise nobody said nobody eh. it is phenomenal <laughs> I still need to see that, and I really, really want to. I'm kind of hoping oh. that it'll uh, reinvigorate my uh, my love of the the franchise because I've uh, we're on a breakup right now. I'm kind of falling out of love oh. with it. Aww. I'm not saying I hate him, but it's just compared to Nightmare on Elm Street. I you know I'm always going to go with Nightmare on Elm Street, but there there is something that I still love about the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and for some reason I think I've I don't want to say I've forgotten what that you know was, but I don't know. I need I need to watch something that'll maybe uh, reignite my love of it, and maybe that'll do it. Yeah, it it'll definitely do it. It like I I remember watching it for the first time and like what like an hour and a half into it, we're still talking about part one. I mean, it's like I, I watched you watch it that week. And <laughs> it took like a week to that watch. Six it. months yeah. was awesome. That was the. That was like the nicest week at this house there ever was. I mean, it was just, he was so happy and so <laughs> peaceful. And Is that one also like four hours long or ten days long, um, six months? Uh, probably longer. I'm going to go grab my copy. They're actually still filming parts of it and putting it up on the internet right now. <laughs> well, the fucked up thing is like the Blu-ray comes with a bonus disc that has another like two hours of, of material that was Here's cut. all the stuff we left out. And they and they edited the the supplemental material together, um, just like the movie, where it's just like they go in sequence of each movie of all the cut stuff from Here, the documentary. Here's the abbreviated version yeah. for the for the classroom. According to IMDb, the full thing is uh, like six and a half hours. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but that's an awesome six and a half hours. You get your money's worth on that one. That's for sure. Yeah. What? Terry looked it up. Damn it, Terry. Going to I'm looking it up on <laughs> Amazon. I might be buying Feature. this. Yeah, there's like 47 discs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm blue-ray. Blu-ray two, discs. Two. Two Blu-rays, two DVDs, and then the uh, bonus disc DVD. Which has all the cut stuff. But seriously, it's only like eighteen bucks. Get it, dude. It's worth it. Jesus, oh, yeah. that's cheap. It is, dude, because it's for. Th- I mean, just feel that. That's heavy. For three mm-hmm. months worth of stuff. I mean, dear God. And like, I bought mine at Crypticon a couple years ago when Tom Matthews was there. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm a huge Tom Matthews fan, and he had copies of this at his table. And so I bought it, but I didn't really want him to sign it. <laughs> I just wanted the Blu-ray. I already bought the 8x10. I don't need but I just let him sign it anyway. All Damn right, right you did. <laughs> don't make him cry. <laughs> like, you just bought it from me. 
My favorite thing on the um, on the bonus disc is that um, uh, the, the guy who plays what's that? The commercial. Yeah, there's a fake commercial. Justin's lawyer. <laughs> With Justin's lawyer, yeah. <laughs> With Shelly from part three, because he's a lawyer in real life, so there's this fake commercial for his law office where he will represent anybody who's been killed by Jason Voorhees. Oh my god. It's it's really it, funny. That's awesome. Because it has a couple of the old actors, and, they, and they, they're giving testimonials <laughs> of his work as a lawyer, as their lawyer, with their original wounds on how they were killed, like the guy with the arrow in the eye, and... Using lines from the film. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's awesome. yeah, it's got the girl, his the girl that he had a crush on in, in it, and at the end of the fake commercial, he's, she's like, Shelly, why do you do these... What's, what's the damn line? Why do you do these horrible things or whatever? I don't remember. Whatever. <laughs> I'm getting worked up. It even... It, it, it even <laughs> it makes you appreciate Jason goes to hell just a little bit more when Whoa. you watch them when you watch uh, yeah I, yeah I actually kind of like that movie. How like, could you like it more though, Mike? That's okay. Uh, John, you want to borrow my copy? It's well no. used. Oh, it's so dirty. Covered in gravy. It. You're gonna have to go to the doctor immediately after. <laughs> Sir, <laughs> you have 37 diseases. We don't even have names for half of them. <laughs> Where did you get this? <laughs> that man is dirty. Let's do a commentary check for Crystal League memoirs. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that like six hours. Every like Terry's been asleep for an hour. Brian's been asleep for two hours. Like this, Mike's the only one still talking to himself. <laughs> My vote's for Crystal Lake memories. Right. I said memoirs, didn't I? Yep. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're memoirs. Um, <laughs> you're a memories. You him, buddy. You're and the stuff they talk about with part six is great because six is one of oh, my favorites. Oh, mine too. My God. And, uh, and like my jaw hitting the floor when they talk about how in the original script, the, the teaser, the little tease at the end is that because um, in the original script, the. The, the caretaker of the cemetery wasn't supposed to die. He was supposed to, right. to live, and it's him at the end um, putting, you know, uh, filling in Jason's grave or whatever, and these, these, these two, these feet walk into frame at Jason's tombstone, and, and the caretaker's like, don't worry, I've been taking care of your son, Mr. Voorhees, or something like that. And how cool would that have yeah. been? Right there at the very end of the fucking... That'd have been awesome. And just... You oh. would have hated it when you saw it. No, probably not, because, like, part six, honestly, I think was the first one I ever watched, so... I had no expectations going into it. Do they do they have, uh, like, at least an hour set aside for Crispin Glover's dance moves? <laughs> <laughs> they do talk about it a lot, yeah. Where, actually, which one is that? I always forget. Four. Part four. Is it part four? Man, oh, that guy's it. a dreamboat. <laughs> it's real dance. Uh, I, I, also, some of my favorite stuff is when they talk about part five. I love part five. Yeah. And just how, like, how we were, you know, it's obvious that the, uh, the director used to do porn. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of random facials. I love that film a lot. 
I think it's yeah. the one I watch more than any other in the series now. Part five, yeah. really? Nice. Why? It it because it has because I've watched the other. Honestly, I think it's because oh, yeah. over the years I neglected it. It's a lot like yeah. Halloween three was when I was little, and I didn't yeah. know better. But now, yeah. now that I discovered it, you know, obviously a long time ago, but still, I, I throw it in because I still find a lot in it where I've poured over everything else so much over time, and it's funny. It's got a lot of mm-hmm. what the hell moments. It's it's brutal. <laughs> it has Reggie the Reckless. It has so much going for yeah. it, and I, it's I don't. You owe it some plays. I do, and I think everyone does, to be honest. I think everyone who's a fan of the franchise who may not have been giving this thing any love, I really, really recommend checking in with it again. And maybe watch the documentary first and to gain a little more insight into what was going on. I mean, there is the stuff about him being a porn director aside. I mean, there was a lot of heart put into that picture, and the people who are are so proud of being in there. And it's sad to see this thing dragged behind the rest of the franchise like it's nothing. So... This film, I think, is awesome, fun, and recommended. I think it's kind of, kind of got a whole second life, though. I think people are kind of coming around to it more, much like Halloween Three. And what's, what I think also helps is that there's worse ones in the franchise, so people can't say that Part Five is the worst right. anymore. <laughs> but and I love Part Five too. Don't get me wrong, but just on the surface, when watching it, you could just. It just feels like a sleazier version of a Friday Thirteenth movie, doesn't it? It yeah, it does. But you know what? That is absolutely okay with me. <laughs> if I mean, if there's one direction I would love the franchise to go in, it wouldn't be in space with Cal with whatever that android is. It would be sleazier. <laughs> Let's take this thing a little further into the gutter. Let's see where we can go here. Fair enough. Fair enough, yes. <clears throat> I really got nothing else to say. I just want to watch want to watch this. Crystal lit. Put it down. <clears throat> uh, another one I want to bring up. Um, it's one of my favorites. Um, probably because it's a documentary about one of my favorite movies. And that is More Brains. Anybody else got to, getting, got to see More Brains? Nope. No, no. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I, it was. It was a little. Um, I'm not gonna say disappointing, but it wasn't quite what I expected when I first got when I first watched it because I was expecting it to be kind of a companion to the really uh, sweet book that came out a few years ago, um, which I also have. And the book covers like the whole franchise, but More Brains is literally just about the first movie, and so. Um, so at first I'm like, I'm watching it and then it's over and I'm like, wait a minute, they didn't talk about two, two, three, four or whatever the F and, but it's still really good. It's, it's full of talking heads. It's got everybody in it from, um, that they're still alive, but like James Karen, uh, Don Kalfa, um, uh, good old clue, um, Linnea Quigley, all the guys. And one of the interesting things i found out is the guy who plays um i cannot remember his name brian something the guy who plays scuzz in in the movie um is such a um 
well, one, he's he's such a horror movie fanboy, but he's such a cheerleader for Return of the Living Dead that he is technically in um, the all. I think like all of I think all of the uh, he had something to do with all of the Return of the Living Dead movies, and he's also the narrator for this documentary, More Brains. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. There is a uh, bone. I can't remember if it's a bonus disc or if it's just bonus features. But there is there's uh, supplemental material that does. It's almost like its own documentary that does discuss the rest of the franchise. So at least I had some satisfaction with that. Because I just I've always had a ton of questions about part two. So that uh, that guy who plays Scuzz, I heard him on another uh, podcast recently, and it, it was about just other things in general, but of course they were talking to him about Return of the Living Dead a little bit. And he, I don't know if they, he covers this on this documentary too, because I haven't had a chance to watch it, but um, he's talking about how even though so many of the other people just hated Dan O'Bannon because he was such a cranky old coot and didn't get along <laughs> with anybody, but O'Bannon loved him because even on days where he wasn't supposed to be on set, he was talking about like, well, I can either sit in my apartment or like three blocks down the street, they're shooting Return of the Living Dead. So he'd just show up <laughs> on set and be like, hey, what can I do? So they just start handing him stuff. So not only was he in the movie, he was like, you know, a gaffer and a craft services guy and a PA and all yeah. these other things. Yep. They, yeah, I think they do talk about that in in the documentary as well. Uh, it's pretty interesting because there's some there's definitely some things I never knew before. I can't I can't remember the effects artist's name, but there was a uh, an effects artist that they had at the beginning of the film that they ended up firing and bringing on somebody somebody different because and it showed some pictures. It was it was really cool to kind of get into the dirt of the movie more than just it being oh it was such a great experience blah 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 blah. <laughs> no, they really kind of get into like. Uh, some of the black sheep of the whole of the whole film and and this is, I think was one of them it was really interesting because they also they had interviews uh, with both the original effects artist that got fired and then the one they hired to replace him um, but and they showed like test shots of some of this guy's work for the film and it was it was horrendous like um, his original um, test makeup for the uh, headless corpse in the you need a medical supply uh, warehouse it was one of the worst looking things I'd ever seen like it was like really awkwardly built up on top of the guy's shoulders and it was like the neck was like twice the size of what the head should have been it was it was really really bad looking and then I think it was um, I think it was with uh, Maybe it was with Scuzz, where they brought the actor in, and he didn't know, you know, that, you know, what what they needed for his hair or anything. So they were just going to put a bald cap on him for for the mohawk, and the guy, the effects artist, could not make it work. And it's interesting to kind of listen to him in this documentary and make excuses for his, um, you know, bad craftsmanship, but. Uh, and eventually the actor just said fuck it and just shaved his head into a mohawk for the movie. So I'd recommend it, you know, definitely check it out. It's it's a great documentary about one of the best movies ever. 
That sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out now. Is that on, was it released separately or is that on the recent Blu-ray of the movie? Separately, okay. yeah. It's its own standalone. Um, oh, jumping back to uh, Chris, Crystal Lake Memories here real quick. There was another <laughs> documentary. Well, just to throw it out there. There was another documentary about the Friday the 13th franchise that was just like like a 1% in comparison to um, Crystal Lake Memories. And that that was My Name is Jason. You guys seen that one? Uh, I want to say I've seen part or of his it. Name it sounds, Jason. sounds familiar. Like even Walmart carried that one. I, that's where I bought it, like ten bucks at Walmart. Um, yeah, his that name was Jason. Incorporated it, into the um, Crystal Lake Memories documentary. All that footage was cut into yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, they used a lot of it in in the, uh, <clears throat> and I think um, they cleaned it up and stuff because that one was put together pretty fast too, and they did a really nice job fixing that footage up for the big one. Yeah. Was my name is Jason on Netflix at one point? I think it was. Because I want to yeah. say that's. I want to say I've seen it then. Well, um, uh, his name was Jason. Um, the host was Tom Savini, and then for Crystal Lake Memories, they got Corey Feldman to host it. So, Justin, I ask you, who's the better documentary host? I loved hearing Feldman in there. Yeah, and I thought that yeah. his his interview stuff about his involvement with the franchise was great too, because it's a real return to roots for him, and that doesn't happen a lot in film. And he's a great narrator. I think he's clear. He has a great voice. It's distinct, but it also takes you back to part four, which is what many people think is their favorite in the franchise. So it's comforting in a way. And then when yeah. they cut to the scenes of him around the campfire with everybody, it's <laughs> it's. Uh, it's even even better. It's Stephen Brackey, the guy who wrote the Crystal Lake Memories book, is in that too. But oh, really? That, yeah, he's around the campfire there with some other nice. Yeah, but yeah, his name was Jason, which was really cool. But I remember at the time, like it was, it's really dark. It has like the lighting wise, it wasn't like it. It doesn't show as well as I think Crystal Lake documentaries does. But I think they did a nice job again of cleaning up that footage for it. Well, a lot of that was filmed on location at that uh, Friday Thirteenth Halloween exhibit at like um, Universal Studios or some something like that. If I remember right. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to throw that one out there and find out who is a better documentary host, Savini or Feldman. Either way, there's still egos involved, but <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, sir. You know, we talk about the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary changing the game, and I, I actually think that there was one prior to that that honestly changed the game for me. That was the first okay. standalone horror documentary I ever rented, and that was Document of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That- but that movie's still not done apparently. Well, yeah, that aside, it's. It, I I had never seen anything like that, and that film has been explored so thoroughly. That great box set that we've talked about probably a hundred times already, with all the different yeah. versions of the film mm-hmm. in it and this and everything. Oh, yeah. But this documentary really opened the doors to my eyes on film production in a lot of ways because I remember renting the vi- videotape years ago, and mm-hmm. before I had, because I never had laserdisc, so I didn't know anything about behind the scenes anything this stuff was just didn't exist really 
in the form of videotape, aside from the video zone segments at the end of full moon tapes. So yeah. Document of yeah. the Dead was the one that really pulled me out and, and introduced me to that whole world. And I learned a lot from that. And I think that may have, in my eyes, that's the most influential horror documentary of our generation, at least. I agree, and it's one of, it's probably my favorite, but I'm biased because it's about George Romero. And right. talk about a time capsule. You know, we talked about world horror <laughs> being um, filmed during the time of uh, phenomenon. Ho- you know, holy shit! This guy was this guy w- was fortunate enough to make his documentary around the time of shooting Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that's awesome. And they have to full access. The on- yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So you get to see all that behind the scenes of that movie. Um, you know, and just all these great interviews with everybody, cast and crew on that. The uncut like, f- sequences that didn't make it into the film, even, like you see. Yeah. And then they, and they talk about, he was shooting when they had the ice rink incident where the ceiling came down because they had some pyro oh, yeah. in there and the ceiling came down like, ah, man, it's just so much good stuff. It, it, it gave birth to sort of horror lore in a way. Us wanting, it was what Fangoria had been doing for us, but in front of our faces moving and sounding incredible. So good. I honestly believe um, that Document, Document of the Dead should be um, like a required viewing for film students, yeah, and if if any if anything, at least that like first um, fifteen to twenty minutes before they really get to uh, the Dawn of the Dead segment of the movie, because there's just some great analyzing um, George Romero shots from like Night of the, Night of Living Dead and in Martin, um, <clears throat> of of literally just breaking down breaking down the shots and explaining the the use of um, the use of uh, things in the frame, and his editing choices, and and that's that's the documentary that um, I think really opened my eyes up to what George. I mean, I was already a huge fan of George Romero, but didn't truly understand his style until I saw Document of the Dead and and that first like fifteen minutes or so. And his yeah. use of the frame, his use of editing to tell the story, right? Um, and that's that's the thing I've I've always admired about about George, in particular the early works of George. Anyway, so well, it speaks volumes about him for him to completely open the doors to these kids, for yeah. him to to yeah. be so exposed in that way, and it just shows he he's so he's the antithesis of pretentious, and I think he always has been, and I, and that's what is so lovely about that man is that he's no different today than he was back then i think that's wonderful yeah for sure well and think about this though too he let these kids come in to shoot their their documentary while he's making dawn of the dead which you know on the surface alone is a daunting task he's making this independent film with italian money um in a mall after hours, it's just unfathomable, you know, that 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 actually worked. But think of his career up to that point. It was like a series of failures up to Dawn of the Dead, really. You would think he would be a bit more of a jaded filmmaker 
by that point, um, and and you know, I think other filmmakers would not have been so allowing for um, Ray to come in and shoot his documentary. You know, it's like I mean, Nile Living Dead was obviously a success, but not financially for George because of the copyright bullshit. Um, there's always Vanilla, just didn't even really ever come out. You know, you got. You know, Jack's wife and the crazies were both flops, and you know Martin had some success, but still nothing on the scale of what Dawn of the Dead would bring. So, yeah, George, awesome. Say, you you fall asleep over there. Keep ram- I've heard this rant so many times about George. You know what else is awesome about George? I've heard it. <laughs> Whatever you're going to say. Oh, fine. Hey, did you ever watch that I Am Nancy? No, fuck. I didn't think so. shit to do. (laughs) Anybody else seen I I Am Nancy? It's another Nightmare on Elm Street doc, but it's done by Heather Lennenkamp. I have not. It's it's interesting because it kind of explores. It's just a lot of, like, talking with fans and hanging out at conventions and stuff. Um... But when you kind of dig down deep into it, it's really about like the perception, what, what uh, society's perception of Nancy versus you know Nancy's character versus Freddie's character. And you'll see like in in these conventions, like these huge lines around the building for Robert England, and then she's got six or seven people in her line, you know. And it's interesting because she's the hero of that movie, but the villain. Gets the giant lines, so it's it's an interesting little doc. It's it's it feels like it's just kind of uh, randomly pieced together, um, but it's fun. What else? What other good docs do we have? What's up, Doc? Uh, anyone seen American Scary? Oh yeah. yes. From uh, 2006 about horror hosts. That's here's the thing. That, here's the thing. I don't know if you know about me, Brian, but I'm a huge horror host fan. Well, what sane person isn't? Even though you are insane, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> yeah. Hor- Good point. And sir. I didn't get to grow up with one either. Like I, I watch Sven Gulli all the time now, but yeah, I didn't. You know, out on the farm we had ABC, CBS, NBC, and PBS. So where I got my hosted entertainment from was uh, Sci-Fi Friday Nights on PBS, hosted by Mike Frisbee, where he'd introduce Doctor Who and Red Dwarf and Blake Seven and stuff like that. So I had kind of a different flavor of that. And although I knew there were, you know, Elvira was huge. If you know, if you didn't even own a TV in the '80s, you still knew who Elvira was. Mm, huge. Yeah. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's, that's it's made me that's think true. of her song Two Big Pumpkins." Um, <laughs> um, I have that. Uh, th- there's actually a seven-inch record of like a single of that with a heat-sensitive cover that um, it's like it's just like black and purple. And if you put your hand on it, then she and her two big pumpkins appear. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, 
<laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's a fantastic look at all and so many different horror hosts. And it starts, you know, all the way back with uh, with Zachary and and Vampira and Bob right. Wilkins and Creature Features, all the way up through when every little Podunk UHF station realized we have this package of crappy movies that nobody watches, but if we hire some bored newscaster to put on a Dracula cape and tell crappy jokes for two hours, people will tune into this stuff. And and it was really interesting that when they started talking about towards the end of, you know, obviously TV's kind of dying out, or at least the model of TV that allowed horror hosts to exist, that yeah. so many of them tried to um, move into having an online presence. Yeah, Count Gore Duvall, who's kind of the pioneer of the online horror hosting, who I also feel is kind of like um, one of the big guys as far as this whole horror host resurgence. And I've never tracked down and watched any of the online episodes of any of these guys, but I feel like I should. Is he still going, uh, Count Gore Duvall? Yeah, yeah. Count Gore Duvall is still going, yep. He's like, I think he's just getting to be about in his 70s now, but what? Didn't you just hang out with him? Yeah, I just met him at uh, Horror Hound a few months back. Nice. That was a, that was a highlight for me. Um, but I, I suppose that sort of frees them up to uh, not have to worry about TV packages too. Like as long as it's public domain or at least the rights are in a gray area, they can kind of do what they want. Is that if you want? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you want to. Uh, there's like a, um, a couple of uh, there's like some online channels that you, um, if you have like a Roku, you can put these channels on your Roku that have a lot of horror hosts. Um, there's uh, oh, I'm totally blanking now. Justin, help me out here. Well, Bizarre TV is Bizarre one. TV, and then there's uh, B Movie TV, and I don't know that they have as much. I don't know that they even do any horror host stuff, but it's really Bizarre TV, and then also the Monster Channel. Which used to Monster be an, channel yeah. that used to be a website that had that streamed. It was doing essentially what Roku is kind of doing now, where it streams movies and then it has a comment section on the side where you can talk. They don't obviously have the chat aspect anymore, but it's on Roku now as a streaming thing. With and I assume they're porting over a lot of the horror hosts that used to be with them too. I was going to ask if you have you checked it out much lately. Do they still have a lot of horror hosts on it? I I do. I have it, but it keeps on saying that it's a, in the process of being assembled and put together. I think they have a, oh. sort of a beta mode uh, app up on there right now that you can watch that isn't as complete in terms of programming as what they say it will be. I think because I think like the movie cha- or um, the Monster Channel had much better quality of horror hosts on it than what like bizarre tv has oh my god bizarre tv has some bizarre really... tv's got some really bad ones mostly bad ones Woof. um but like movie channel had um or monster channel had midnight mausoleum mm-hmm. uh it had um i think his name was count creepy on saturdays and that was really good he's he's a pretty good one so i think that they run commercials for Midnight Mausoleum on B Movie TV, but I don't. Yeah, know. but they've never. Yeah. Right. I don't know that they've that they're actually on there. <laughs> I really don't know what the deal is with that. Yeah. I need to go buy a Roku. Apparently. Oh, it's yeah, awesome! I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, back in my day, uh, at the height <laughs> of my horror host obsession, it was great. 
Like, I just didn't leave the house. It was sad. Uh, Friday nights was USA up all night with, with uh, Gilbert. Well, I think Rhonda Shear was Friday night. Gilbert Godfrey was Saturday night. Then I'd get up early Saturday morning because on TBS, Grandpa had, had um, monster movies on. It was always like Godzilla movies. Grandpa from uh, The Monsters was doing horror hosting. And then, like, in the afternoon on the USA channel, there was Commander USA's Groovy Movies, so I'd watch that. And then, like, Saturday night on Channel 8, local channel, local CBS channel, was, um, was Dr. Morbius, uh, Dr. Morbius' Saturday Nightmares, and he showed all Universals, which was awesome. So that's where I first got to see all the Universal Classics. And then finish the night off with USA Up All Night again on the USA Channel with Gilbert Godfrey. So, and then Sundays had Kung Fu Theater on the USA Channel, but it didn't have a host. Weekends were spent at home, <laughs> inside in front of the TV. Shocker, once the folks! <laughs> once the folks finally got a satellite, I did, of course, become addicted to Joe Bob Briggs' Monster Vision. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think he is responsible for about ninety percent of me being the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> I so love Joe Bob. Very influential on me. Do you have any of the DVDs where he does commentary tracks on? Uh, so yeah, I've got quite a few of them. So good. Those are some of my favorite commentary tracks. Like Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. Um, his I Spit on Your Grave yes. commentary actually makes you feel better about watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make you feel like such a scuzz bag. Um,. Uh, with some of the other really good ones, uh, a couple like ones of movies I've never even heard of, and he does these amazing commentary tracks on. One is um, uh, I think it's called Hell High, yeah, and then and then another one called Warlock Moon. Yeah, I I think Warlock Moon I don't have. Um, is it? I've got Hell or is, no? It's Blood Sisters is the one I've got. Ooh, yeah. I don't have Blood Sisters. And then uh, there's a couple other Ray Dennis Steckler movies. Um, yeah, uh, the Hollywood Slasher meets the wait. The Hollywood Strangler meets the Skipper Slasher. Yeah. <laughs> that movie is awesome. <laughs> I love awesome. that flick. <laughs> what? I think I just broke Justin. <laughs> I think you Blood did. Blood Shack. Blood Shack was the other Steckler yep, movie. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's. It, but the I, I love it a lot, partially at least, because of the commentary track talking about how interesting it was that um, it started as he was teaching a film class and he wanted to prove that you could just grab a camera and go out into an alley and shoot with the light that was there and everything. And so that scene where she kills the wino is like was the, the short student film that he's like, well, I might as well finish this. Um, but the guy she kills is Coleman Francis. Whoa, dead silence. Okay, never <laughs> mind. <laughs> Beast of Yucca Flats. Coleman oh, Francis. Oh, yeah, okay. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm right there with you. And what's great is, like, he, he Joe Bob Briggs can make something like Blood Shack sound like a very awesome, interesting movie. <laughs> when it's not, it's not. But, yeah, I love his commentaries. Um, Blood Sisters, huh? I don't have that one. Dang it. I thought I had them all. Yeah, I need to get that Warlock Moon one. Although, I, part of what stopped me from getting it is that it's such a... Uh, um, 
it's like incomplete. Everything I've read about it says that 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 uh, DVD version of it is missing a bunch of the movie. Oh really? Yeah. But I mean, you know, as far as I know, the the rest of it doesn't exist anymore. You know, the last reel of it got flushed down a truck stop toilet or something. But um, yeah. but yeah, I need to get Hell High. Then maybe that'll be all of them. How many did he do? Do you know? How Hell many? High is I don't... my favorite. Hell High, yeah. Uh, I don't know how many he did. I, I wish they would have kept going. Um, with that whole thing. Uh, yeah, because like the Warlock Moon one is really good. How, you know, Joe Bob Briggs knows more about Warlock Moon than anybody. Like, who has even fucking heard of this movie? And Joe Bob Briggs is like an encyclopedia of knowledge for it. It's crazy, crazy. He, it's great. At one point, he's he's in the commentary track because pleading, pleading with the director to come to come out of hiding and like. And uh, give us more information about the movie. It's great. Very awesome. Anyway, what were we talking about? We were talking about uh, American Scary. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like they spent a little too much time on uh, the, the Cleveland scene, as you know, with the whole Tim Conway stuff and and all of that era. It's just that felt a little out of place compared to the rest of it. I mean, I understand its historic significance leading up to uh, to um, the horror hosts from Cleveland, but uh, you know, it felt like it was spent a little too much time on that, and not enough time on like Zachary and and some of the others. But it's a great documentary. Yeah, it's a good one. And if you want to know more about. Um, Count Gore Duvall, Brian, check out. There's a documentary that came out after American Scary called Every Other Day is Halloween, which is it's a documentary all about Count Gore Duvall. That's awesome. I, I will definitely and, check that out. And at the height of these channels trying to develop their own local content, I can't remember the real guy's name, but Count Gore Duvall, um, in the morning he was... Bozo the Clown for a kid's show. <laughs> he was Captain N for an, uh, an after-school sci-fi block of kid shows. He did the news. He was comment. He did commentary for like wrestling matches, and then at night on the weekends he was Count Gordeval. I got a buddy from Maryland who that was the horror host he grew up with. So I've I've you know I've heard of him. I am aware of him, but yeah, I didn't know all that stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, if you could find that doc, definitely check it out. I highly recommend it. Anyway, horror hosts rule. <laughs> um, what other good docs do we got? I like I mentioned it earlier briefly, but I think that it's that it would be important to to recognize Full Moon and the Video Zone documentaries that they had at the end of a lot of videos. It wasn't all of them, but there was a there was a good yeah. maybe ten year span, maybe a little bit less, where they had them. I mean, the end of all the subspecies films, Puppet Master stuff, and it was what it was was about a half hour, sometimes about forty five minute long documentary, maybe trio, sometimes two different segments at the end of their videotapes, and it would be the making of the film you had seen. Then they had a, a number of them that spotlighted a certain actor or actress or you know person from their group. And then also usually upcoming 
features. So it'd be a collection of yeah. trailers for upcoming films. No one else was doing anything like this. Of course, there were trailers for oh. other movies on just about every videotape at the beginning. But at the end, to include making of and to have it be an in-house thing. And it was Charles Band hosting every single one of them. And they're really were my fi- one of my favorite things about renting Full Moon tapes. Oh. Oh, me too. I would always rent the newest Full Moon that came out, mostly for the Video Zone. Like, I would watch five shitty Full Moon movies in a row and think, <laughs> man, I should learn my lesson and not rent another Full Moon movie. But fuck, there it is. There's Bad Channels. I got to rent it. I love right. Bad just Channels. Just so I can see. Oh, I do too. That was just the first one that came to mind. Um, so just so I could see the Video Zone at the end. And people could say what they want about Charles Band. And and um, full uh, especially full moon, but man, they're kind of they were kind of the pioneers for special supplemental material, really. Right. Yeah, that was huge. They were doing it first on VHS of all things. Yeah. How's that work? There weren't menus. <laughs> you would have to actually sit through the whole shitty full moon movie just to see Mike, the supplemental Mike material. Mike didn't know you could fast forward through stuff. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this fast forward you talk about? Just ruined his life. I think you did. Damn it. And I think like uh, I think you could see a lot of those old video zones on that full moon streaming channel too. In case you care. Yeah, they put a lot of them out on there, and then they they got rid of the video zone tag at when they were in their last year or two of doing them. And they just had making of stuff on the end. So they got rid of a lot of the extra features that they were spending time and money on and just reduced it to a bit of a making of thing. That would have been when you're getting to like the vampire journals era. And I think the fourth subspecies film, which followed around that time, they, they removed the video zone tag oh, at the beginning. Nice. But a lot of that stuff is on there. That would have been the time when I stopped renting them. So. They do have a certain yeah. charm about those movies. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I so actually the first subspecies movie, subspecies movie is really fucking good. The setting, the the special effects, well, I mean like the makeup effects, it's a really good movie. Just in general, we forget though that like you know we make fun of Full Moon, but we forget like there's a lot of Full Moon movies that Stuart Gordon had hands in. Yeah, like Castle Freak, I love Castle. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I do too. That movie's awesome. And, the, and his and his version of Pet and the Pendulum mm-hmm. was great. Robot Jocks. Let's not forget about Robot Jocks. <laughs> Band had what? Band had such a a hand in in a lot. I mean, and he was involved with a lot, and he he really deserves more credit. What's and I he's doing the Delirium magazine now. Full disclosure, I write for them, but he has the always coming up with new ways to promote things and he has the streaming channel that's also on roku and now is added to your add-on subscriptions on amazon where you can get the full moon streaming thing does anybody here have that yet mike do you no i mean i used to have it on the roku but i stopped paying for it i need it now it has not only the a lot of full moon stuff but he got a lot of the something weird titles Oh, and so so much of that catalog is on there. Brian and I just got way too excited. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't. You can't get too excited about something weird. When I had, I'm a huge something weird fan, and but my problem was is like I had them all, (laughs) you know, like all the ones they had on the channel on the uh, streaming channel that uh, 
um, from the Something Weird catalog when I had the subscription. It was all it was. I already owned all of those on DVD. I do own so. a good chunk of them. Speaking of which, somebody needs to do a documentary about something weird if they haven't already, and I just don't know about it. Because I want to know how Mike Vrainy got his hands on all that weird crap. Yeah. Oh, oh, is there oh, one? Check. No, there's not a documentary, but they. Um, if you could find it, maybe I'll just let you borrow it. You got to guard it with your life, though. Um, Herschel Gordon Lewis's movie, Something Weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's got an amazing. It's it's probably my top ten commentary tracks of all time. On the commentary track, they spend like the first ten minutes talking with Herschel Gordon Lewis about about the movie Something Weird, and by that point, um, Herschel Gordon Lewis is like, "Yeah, I don't really have anything else I want to say about it." So <laughs> then Mike takes over the commentary track and does a full history of the Something Weird company. Wow. Okay. What? Well, oh, the next thing I'm watching because I have that H.G. Lewis box set. I've just never watched any of the or listened to any of the supplementary stuff. So I have that disc. Oh yeah, check it out. It's so good. Yeah. Once Herschel's done talking, then it just goes <laughs> straight into Mike talking about the history of Something Weird, and it is amazing. Oh, and how he lucked into a lot of these titles, like the Harry Novak films. And, I mean, first it started off where he was just bootlegging Herschel Gordon Lewis movies. Um, and Friedman tracked him down. Well, I'll, I'll let you watch it. I, I better shut well, up. Right. Yeah, we it we have our next weekend planned. Mm-hmm. Love that documentary. Can't wait to hear you guys talk about it after you've seen it. And it's good to know you guys are something weird fans, too. Oh, yeah. Too. What's... I, I got to tell you this. Uh, maybe I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but uh, pretty much everything I purchased uh, that's something weird, I got at the local half-price books. And for a while there, whoever was putting the DVDs away thought they were smut. And there's oh, a, no. the, over in the like photography and art section, there's this little section you know, in a locked case where they have, oh. like I think, like Playboy videos and stuff like that. And somebody was putting uh, something weird videos uh, in there. Um, I I don't know if you've actually watched any of them, John, but a lot of them. (laughs) Okay, but they were. (laughs) There's a lot. They do a lot of stick. But the thing is, they were they were putting stuff that didn't need to be in there. Uh Like they were just putting random shit in there. So to so I don't always have to be that creepy guy that would go over and look at it, and then I'd have to go, "Hey, could you open up the case for me? Which one? (laughs) The porn case." (laughs) <laughs> and then they would luckily my friends were working there at the time but yeah it was still kind of uncomfortable like yeah i know it's not really porn but i'm gonna make you open that case a company that's founded on herschel gordon lewis movies and and betty page stripo-rama movies you know you know they uh they handle a lot of softcore stuff too so. yeah but but it's 60s and 70s softcore yeah. so it's like it's like that's pg nowadays Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So by your uh, talking about guarding that disc with your life, am I to understand that that box set is completely out of print and impossible to find now? I think a lot of those are out of print now. A lot of that, some, something weird DVDs. Yeah, I tend to just grab them as I see them if I yeah. run across. Even if it's something like, I don't really want to watch this movie, but I feel like I yeah, need it because it says something weird on it. Yeah, that's how... Anytime... Yep, exactly. Anytime I see that something weird label, boom, I'm buying it. I don't even, yeah, I don't care what it is. I mean, I have the, uh, what's the name of that one? The Monster. 
at Sunshine Camp monster, or something like that. Beast that killed women in the monster at Camp Sunshine. I'm oh. looking at the case right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I got I that the too. En- the ending of the monster of Camp Sunshine is the most deliriously batshit crazy ending of a movie I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, call in the army, and it's stock footage of everything from like World War II tanks to Napoleonic war reenactors. To, it's, what <laughs> fucking army did you call? Do you have a TARDIS? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I kind of need that oh. one. A lot of them are actually pretty cheap on uh, Amazon right now. I, sh- uh, I should get, you know, I mean, I. I'm the type of guy that finds them and buys them. I'm not a big online shopper, but I gotta finish the uh, my something weird collection. It's been way too long since I've added a new one. Yeah, I mean, I I prefer to find my stuff in the in the store, but they've hired a lot of people at half price books that likes the same weird shit as me, so they've been snatching <laughs> it up earlier. Because none of my, none of my friends work there except for like one guy, and he likes the same weird shit, so he just buys it. Doesn't tell me about it. Damn it. Damn. Well, then, you know, we're in little Otumwa where you don't have any of yeah. those options. So I just got to bite the bullet and start ordering shit. Yeah. Woo! Order Finish shit. Finish something collection. We're going to get my, I really want to get my hands on, um, please don't eat my mother. I've always wanted to see that one. I thought you were going to say dick shark. <laughs> yeah. Dick shark. So let's talk about that for a second. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I saw that over the weekend. Well, Bill Zabub. Oh, you saw the movie? No, no, no. I, oh. But I saw, because uh, isn't that the picture that uh, Caroline Williams posted over the weekend or something that was like all over the internet? Was oh, that I where that know. came from? Maybe I'm thinking of maybe I'm thinking of something different. <laughs> where did you Where did you find that pic then that you sent us, Justin? I found it. I took a screenshot off of YouTube. Oh, of the tra- of a trailer behind the scenes thing or something like that. The one with the girl going down on the uh, penis that looks like a shark. Oh no, it was just a big. It was just the, the penis, the dick shark itself, with like the dick on top of it. Yeah, the really bad looking shark. <laughs> so awesome! Fin. I cannot wait to see it. <laughs> Has anybody seen a one of a Bill's a Bill Zabub's movies. I've only seen, like, I guess behind the scenes footage. Have, has anybody seen the movie Sandman? Yep. It's a pseudo documentary slash other. <laughs> I don't want to give it away, but yeah, I mean, they yeah. talked to Bill Zabub in that, and he's different. He's definitely I, different. I'd imagine. <laughs> he also looks like somebody I'd be friends with. Yeah, isn't he wearing a long sleeve cannibal corp shirt and all the yeah. parts they're showing him shooting the movie? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that guy's pretty much one of my friends. <laughs> He's got at least five movies with the word with uh, the word Jesus in the title. But it's like, you know, Jesus raped me or something like that, you know, or you're like Jesus and the Dick Shark. Something. Uh, they just look horrible. They just horrible. Like to shock for shock's sake, with no attempt to try to do something of quality, just bugs I me. I think he just gets drunk and or stoned, and <laughs> that's it. I caught myself after you know, Justin. After you uh, started talking about Dick Shark, I just was on YouTube forever looking at trailers for his fucking movies. <laughs> the one uh, that I'm sorry. The, <laughs> 
the one that like I was in total shock and awe over was um, called uh, Dalla Morte. Mm. And it's a movie. It's a feature-length movie that he made all with dolls, like Barbie dolls and shit. Oh. And like, and the tagline is, "Movie too dis- a movie so disturbing it had to be filmed with dolls." <laughs> oh. Yeah. There. So there's that. They're not by Beelzebub, but there are at least two other movies built around the same conceit. They're called <laughs> the Erotic Avengers and Nightmare Museum, and they're just people slamming Barbie dolls together like they're fucking. That sounds classy. Yeah. See, that was done a long time ago, man, in a in a bootleg uh, short film I saw back in the day called Pornozilla, where a guy was making his uh, Godzilla toys have sex. Oh, no. Oh, you oh. just made me sad. <laughs> a guy, a guy named Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly enough, his name is Mike. <clears throat> to get back so to that's the... the one Godzilla stuff that oh. Ryan doesn't have. <laughs> uh, to go back to the topic for a minute, has has anyone else seen Sandman? No. no. So what exactly is Sandman then? Yeah, you brought it up, John. Go back. Well, I was just going to say it. It is a surprisingly good sort of documentary on underground uh, horror, like really, really fucking low-budget underground horror. Um, There is also an aspect that uh, is uh, fiction to it, Um, but it has a lot of great interviews with uh, uh, Fred Vogel, who uh, did the uh, uh, August Underground trilogy, which, if anybody's seen those, they're just straight fucked up, you know, supposed to be, what, two killers or whatever, you know, videotaping their their murders and Gross. whatnot. Yeah. Um, and fr- by the way, Fred Vogel is like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. He is so sweet. I've I've met him numerous times now and he he started he started to remember me, but like the first time I met him, we talked about relationships and Black Christmas. <laughs> Cuz he's like, "Oh, how long have you guys been married?" and blah blah blah. And he, he's like the sweetest guy you'll ever meet. But anyway, so there's, you know, great uh stuff with him and a few other people um but yeah it's it goes off the rails it's it's a weird pseudo documentary i mean it is a documentary but there's an aspect to it that i it's kind of hard to talk about without giving away the movie i appreciate what they were trying to do with that and i think I don't have the answers to how it could have been done. I think if it had been handled a little better, because again, like you said, I don't want to, you know, if, if we're intriguing you and you want to go see it, I won't I spoil anything. It. But, but it, <laughs> it, the, the end pissed me off. <laughs> well, it was on Netflix for the longest time. Yeah, I don't know that's if it still is. But, yeah. But, but yeah, the part that is an actual documentary on these people who make, and it is pretty much focuses just on gore movies. It's not a lot of like, you know, people make an underground, you know, things that don't involve 10 gallons of stage blood. But, um, yeah, the, the documentary part, like you said, it's got some great interviews. They're pretty in-depth. They're they're all really interesting. But then, yeah, it does its thing and kind of lost me. Oh, and see, I, I actually really, really appreciate what it did. <laughs> I thought it was very well done. Um, not super convincing, Especially once you realize what's going on, but I don't know. I 
just for the interviews with like Bilzebub and Fred Vogel. I mean, because Fred Vogel really does talk about making his August Underground movies and other movies, and he talks about how he got his grandma in one of the movies, and she was just so super supportive of him. And I'm like, holy fuck, you have the greatest grandma in the world. She's willing to be in a movie where you're basically fucking somebody from behind while you're hitting him with a hammer. Like, holy shit. Go grandma. <laughs> I want to meet your grandma. I want, I want her to make me cookies. But... um. But yeah, it's actually yeah, the documentary part of it is really really cool. It's 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 a total. I mean, it's a, it's a side that you don't see in a lot of uh you know movies or documentaries, and it's just ultra low budget stuff. Like I've ran into people like this at conventions. Like, hey, I make movies, but they were filmed for like five dollars in my parents' basement, kind of thing. But it was cool. It was something different. Cool. Cool. And it's called what again? Sandman? Sandman. It is spelled weird, but it's yeah, it's called Sandman. It's S ampersand man. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> I will not what, see what, it based on that alone. What, what they, <laughs> you had me until the spelling. The, Got it. They they even they point that up in the movie though, like that it's. God, even explaining why the name is the way yeah, this kind of gives something away. <laughs> so, but let me get this straight then. It's it starts off as documentary and turns into something like something fictional T- narrative. Turns or? into like a found footage movie kind yeah, of. And yeah, and it's uh, okay. God, that sounds kind of dumb. What else the director done? Because it's it's a director playing himself. I mean, he's he's himself in the movie, but I'm trying to think what he's done. Oh, Jason just brought up the cover. I remember. Oh, now I wish I would have watched it when it was on Netflix. I remember seeing it on there and just dismissing it. Okay, I'm sorry. I yeah, I mean, right. it's a totally generic, lame cover. I mean, kind of a dumb name. But it. it but yeah, it's 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 really worth a watch. I mean, I, I finally decided to, just to, to buy it because Netflix didn't have it anymore. And it was like only, I don't know, $10 on Blu-ray at the time. Looks like it's on Shutter, so I may be watching that tonight. I think you'll enjoy it. I I like what they did with it. Well, I mean, I mean that's why we're talking about this topic. But I'm I'm a sucker for documentaries about uh, any documentaries, but especially documentaries about filmmaking. So, and you know, throw horror into the mix, then it's like the perfect documentary. There was I I had a I had a phase in the. Uh, in the early '90s, where I got really into underground New York, the underground New York film scene, movies like uh, filmmakers like Nick Zed and stuff like that, and there was this really cool documentary I saw a couple years back on Netflix about the whole underground New York scene, and it's not on there anymore, and I can't remember the goddamn name of it, and I want to see that movie again so bad. Only one underground New York film scene? Only mm. one. Only one. Got it. Nick said nobody? Nothing. Geek Maggot Bingo? Nothing. I'll let you watch it. I'll let you borrow my DVD. Oh, yeah. It's good. What'd you, is that it? Beneath? I don't. I honestly can't tell you what the name of it was. Jason's okay. Jason's doing research. I don't think it matters if, if there's more than one documentary about the underground... Uh, New York film scene, then I'm watching it. All right. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, what other documentaries? Oh, okay. I want to bring up another one uh, that I saw on Netflix and then disappeared, and I want to see it again. And I want to. I want to make all of you see it. Called Zombie Girl. Anybody else has seen this? No. Zombie Girl. Nope. Oh wait, about that little girl who made a movie. Yeah, that twelve-year-old oh, girl that made a feature-length film. I've heard about that movie, but not the uh, Zombie Girl. Yeah, the documentary is so awesome, and so it, it's such a it's just a sweet little documentary about this girl living her dream of making movies and getting to do it, and and she's made about four or five films since then, and it's great. Um, you know, it's it's such a it's such a cool cool doc. You know, just wishing I had you know parents that were that supportive. <laughs> if you could find it, I'd recommend it. Zombie Girl. What else, guys? Uh, has anybody seen the uh, documentary The American Scream? Is that the one about the guys who do uh, haunted, houses. haunted houses yeah. in their yards? Yeah, it was the, the yes. families in the uh, small town of Massachusetts. It's been yep. a long time since I've seen it, but there was the... <laughs> the one family I remember is the guy who I'm pretty sure is um, mentally challenged and his dad... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I know that, who you're talking about. Yeah, they shouldn't be allowed around kids. Not that I think <laughs> they're gonna molest them or anything. I just don't think they should be allowed around kids. But it was it was a cool documentary about you know people who really really like you know haunted houses and making the haunted houses and all the stuff that goes into you know turning their backyard into a haunted house. Yeah. Oh, and then the the one guy with the goatee. Mm-hmm. And that had his whole family involved yeah. and actually had some kick-ass props and that, stuff. Dude, that was his life. That was his life. He was obsessed. He, he should be doing something more. I mean, maybe he is doing something more with it because, I mean, that, the documentary is well, a few know. years old at this point. But yeah. He was good. He just – he he really had the passion for it. Well, he – at the end of the, ep- at the, end of the movie, um, he had lost his job. And so he took that as a sign to try to make it into a legit business, like an actual, you know, haunted house yeah. attraction. I kind of he bought out a building and all that. Oh, that's right. I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great documentary. It's, it's just a lot of fun to watch, except for the the creepy guys. But uh. Oh, I enjoyed watching them too. Oh, I thought they, they made were hysterical. me so uncomfortable to watch. Just yeah, they're, they're uncomfortable to watch, but it's so funny when they're trying to do that, like. Alien creature, yeah, like made the hose, like PVC pipe, and hose and shit. Yeah, and they're putting the paper mache on it, and it just keeps falling over. It's but hilarious. They really did keep trying, but when they were yeah. dressed up as clowns, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's that's the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's a fun documentary overall. Jason, you, I know you've seen that one. We watched it at your old apartment one time. Yep, it's awesome. Thank you for I love haunted houses. And that's the thing. That's that's what's great about that. It really puts you in that. <laughs> Mike's like, thank you for that. <laughs> it really puts you into the Halloween mood. You know, when you that's one of those that really puts you in the Halloween mood and the whole. It makes me want to start decorating my yard now for Halloween. Yes. But then I'm lazy and I don't put anything up in October. Yes. So. I'm glad you brought that one up. What, I keep, what was the name of it again? I keep forgetting the, the name American of it. American Scream. American Scream. 
Assassin's Creed, which I think is still on Netflix. It's I like have... one of the first things I ever watched on Netflix, and I think it's still on it's, Netflix. It's just a lot. It's just really good. It's a lot of fun, and it makes me want to. Makes me want Halloween tomorrow. <laughs> More yeah. than usual, like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. For shizzle. <clears throat> Anybody else uh, seen Adjust Your Tracking? I still have mm-hmm. not seen that. It's really good. Um, Jason and Justin were hanging out one weekend without me, and they're texting me about this documentary <laughs> because you should have been in it. I should have been in it, and I watched. I did watch it right away. I think even before <laughs> you guys finished watching it, I started. <laughs> and you know, I, I hate you guys for it because documentary is awesome. But it really makes me want to start collecting VHS again. Oh, damn. <laughs> I, I tried so hard to be like, no, I'm done with VHS. I'm selling all this shit off. I'm done with it. I'm saying goodbye. And then that fucking movie. VHS is pretty cool. <laughs> no, it isn't. Yes, it is. <laughs> it was cool. Nope, it's not cool. Now it's all about laser discs. Oh. That's right. Is that a thing now? Uh, uh, at half price books here in town, it is because apparently somebody dumped their uh, laser discs there. Let me they interrupt like, you um, and ask how much half price books is paying you today. No shit, because right? I think you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they seriously get most of my money. I do most of my movie shop. Well, not all Jesus my movie Christ. shopping there, but yeah, I know it's pathetic, right? So you're getting a discount now, is what you're saying? I used you to. It on the show like twelve times. Used to, and then all my friends fucking disappeared from the store, but. Seriously, they have a large Laserdisc collection, like Jurassic Park, Blade Runner. I should tell Dustin he just got a Laserdisc player. What? Yeah. He was shopping at Crypticon for Laserdiscs. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Oh, but adjust your tracking. It's so <laughs> oh. good. It's good. <laughs> so good. The, the, the guy who's got a full video store in his basement. Oh. What? I'm so jealous. Yeah. Like Except the you have to see people walking like in and out with your stuff. Legit shelving and signage. Oh, I don't think he actually has people go through that basement. I think he just decorated his basement to be a video store. I really do. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, he's got... Yeah, John, (laughs) he's got all the shelving. He's got all the subcategories. He's even got one of the jumbo... No, he's got... He had two of them. Of the jumbo (laughs) gumball machines from Blockbuster. (laughs) That's awesome. He had a full register counter area... With like a 1985 like computer. I'm starting to tear up over here. This is beautiful, man. <laughs> he even he even had all the porn behind the counter. <laughs> <laughs> he had a small section of beta beta tapes. Oh my god, this guy is my hero. And he even had like one of those big big book catalogs of like movie titles and stuff. Oh it was awesome. Shout factory to you. TV? Yeah, it's on Shout TV. Yeah, yeah. Really, oh, wow. Which is... That yeah, that's phenomenal. There's no charge for it. They don't have an upgrade service yet where you can do it ad-free, but they are, they're putting special feature stuff on there now. Like They're taking the documentaries yeah. from their releases and putting them on. They have commentaries on, on there, the too. Yep. That Yeah, that, that's one of the cool things about their channels. They put those commentary tracks on Justin there and the supplemental features. in your home anytime you want. Ugh. Ooh. Yep. Hey. Listen, do, buddy. That's where I listened to the Body Bags commentary. It was on Show TV. Oh, thanks for supporting the disc. 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, he gets residuals from the disc. <laughs> he gets uh, yes. one millionth of a penny every time somebody watches it. So Right, right. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> give me shit for bringing up half price books. You guys have talked about Roku about forty times now. <laughs> True, uh-huh. we're not done until Brian goes out and buys one. All right. <laughs> Subliminal messages. Hey, nice. buy it, buy it, buy it. <laughs> you can buy it at half price books. <laughs> Get the special synapse edition. <laughs> well, no, I could watch the. Shout Factory TV, you can just watch that straight through their website, though. Yes. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. Well, I think a lot of those you can. Still buy yeah. Roku. That's right. It's the only way Justin will, will uh, remain friends with you. True. <laughs> it sounds like you have to buy his discs if it's the only way. Yeah, true. Justin. Watch bags commentary Truth. out the disc. Well, when I, that Halloween 4 commentary, I just listened to that not too long ago, and that was off the disc, so. Aww. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Uh-huh. See, <laughs> See, I like that guy. Now he's back. <laughs> back off. We just can go to hell. <laughs> hey, I listened to my um, uh, Town of Dread Sundown uh-huh. commentary. Thank you. I like you, too. Off of the disc. Uh-huh. I have all that shit, and I've never listened to it. Sorry, buddy. Ah, fuck <laughs> A big sandpaper hey, you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> How about bonus materials on disc? There's been some great comment, like uh, documentaries that are on Blu-rays too. Like Michael Felsher's Red Shirt has, oh, has yeah. done so much. They did with, uh, speaking of Dawn of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, they have a fantastic documentary on there that Michael did. You guys have that Blu-ray? Oh, yeah. That's fun. That, from Scream Factory? That's so good. Um, man, he's done so much stuff. I think probably more making of than anyone period like he is the godfather of all of this on video yeah man it's just so many it's hard to like can you think of one that really stands out to you yeah let me look at let me look him up right now his um because he has a site that has everything so here are just a few of them night of the demons Nailgun massacre Original <laughs> Texas, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Tin that came out back in 2006, and Rock and Roll Nightmare, Monster Squad, Creep Show, yes. The Burning, Savage Streets, Diary of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Pumpkinhead, Night of the Creeps, that's all him on there. Woo-hoo. Children of the Corn, Galaxy of Terror, Twice Dead, Maniac, Not of This Earth. Um, most recently, Mutilator, Chainsaw 2, Blood Rage, Shocker, basically uh, almost everything for. Scream Factory, yeah. he's done. And Arrow, because Mutilator. Arrow now, too, yeah. yeah. Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, Rollerball, Phantom of the Opera, Scarecrows, Invaders from Mars. All uh, Some stuff on the Halloween box set that came out. Killer Clowns, Dark Half, Prom Night, except I... And I got my buddy on the commentary for that. Day of the Dead, Swamp Thing, Maniac 2. I mean, Howling, seriously. Assault on Precinct 13. This is everything. Night Riders, Burning. Jesus. It is maddening how much this guy does and so red shirt pictures if you want to know about all of his shit redshirtpictures.com is his website oh cool and you'll okay. be stunned when you realize and this goes back his first stuff was in 2004 so he's been at this Jeez. over a decade now and we owe him much i'll just say that yeah yeah 
Michael Felsher is his name. If you look him up on Facebook, he posts lots of pictures of his cat. And he's <laughs> hey, a, li- hey, like me. And he's a really nice guy. So I, yeah, super awesome dude. Uh, awesome, awesome. I just picked up those Blood Rage and Mutilator discs. Nice. So I'll have to dig into the special features I'm, on those. You're, I'm sure your wallet thanks me. Uh-huh. Not, not really, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Blood Rage is awesome. Yeah, I I haven't watched Mutilator yet, but I just watched Blood Rage the other night, and that was yeah, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed that one. And I love Mutilator. Mutilator is a treat. It's special, and I love it. It is special. Short bus special, but it's special. <laughs> it's, there's a charm to it. Savage Water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I. St- you know, I haven't even opened up my copy. Man, I discovered that actually it was because of. B movie TV, they played that. One day we tuned in right in the middle of it and we were just laughing our asses off. And how, <laughs> and it's just terrible. It's so great. And it's it's this whitewater rafting sort of slasher story in a way. And just made on a shoestring, it's clear in the in Utah. And really confusing because everybody has beards and they all look exactly the same. <laughs> and they just in the middle of the film in the middle of anything they'll just cut to someone like dead on a rock and then some people walk over and go oh my god jack is dead fuck they get really pissed like fuck they get really emotional and they walk away back to everyone else and they're like we gotta go and then they just leave they pick up and hop on a raft and leave and the whole film is just this series of murders you don't really see they attempt to hang a guy at one point and fail at that it is absolutely just bizarre <laughs> we but this movie get... oh what? go well, this movie has been it's been out of print. I don't know that it's had much of a, any kind of legit release in this country, if any. And Vinegar Syndrome put out a disc with that. And what was the double on that with it? Oh, fuck. I don't even remember. I, I honestly don't even know how I ended up with the disc. I don't think I actually paid you money You said you for won it. it. You said you won it. it. Was, yeah, it was something like that. I won it or I, I bought something else and they're like, hey, here's another disc. It was. There was I've some never... licensing issue with Vinegar Syndrome not you know, covering all their bases. And so it had to be pulled from distribution right away. And so now if you go look for Savage Water, it's, you know, upwards of $40, $50. And they're usually on eBay. There's one or two floating around on there. Amazon's had a few of them on there for a while, I think at like $40. But it's hard to pull the trigger on this thing because it's so bad. But there's a part of me that is so attracted to it because it's so bad, which is a problem I have. And <laughs> Like some people are attracted to bad influence mates or something like that. For me, it's just really shitty cinema, really yeah. bad movies. And like, yet, me too. And yet, you disparage me for liking the Hollywood Strangler meets the Hillside Slasher. That one is hard to watch. <laughs> I've oh, got. So how can you not love a movie that looks like the last known footage of everyone involved in it? I have the one that's like, yeah, oh. oh no, that's the one. That's the same one I have with Joe Bob doing the commentary. And even Joe Bob throughout it, like apologizes. <laughs> yeah. And he's I'm like, so and, sorry, at, guys. and at one point he goes like, ah, uh, uh, here we are uh, an hour <laughs> in. Oh, and you just hear the regret in his voice. <laughs> Like I signed on for like five of these without clearly doing any research. I felt so bad for him listening to this commentary. The whole movie is like the Skid Row slasher kills somebody, then the Hollywood Strangler kills somebody, and it's just back and forth. There's no, uh, there's no actual dialogue in the movie. It's all voiceover, 
But fortunately, it's like 60 minutes long. Skid Row. I kept saying Hillside, didn't I? Because I was thinking of the Hillside Stranglers. Never mind. Skid. You're forgiven. Skid. Skid. Skid Mark. <laughs> Skid is right. See, Ray Dennis Steckler was, was a very special filmmaker. Yes. It, it takes a very, a very uh, unique person to try to sit through his filmography. Yeah, for a long time, I heard he uh, managed a video store in Las Vegas and would happily shoot the breeze about his movies with anyone who came in and was like, hey, I'm a fan. So, oh, dude. Yeah. Yes, Wouldn't that he have been awesome? Video, he owned a video store in Vegas, and the year I found that out, I was in Vegas. I'm like, fucking yeah, I'm going to find this video store. I started doing Google research, found out Ray Dennis Steckler had died like two years prior. Yep. I'm like, no! I was so set I, to go <laughs> track down this video store. Oh, so bummed. I had almost the exact same experience with finding that out and realizing I was going to be in Vegas. And I'm going to look him up. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. I don't know if the video store is still there. Probably not. But, uh, so sad. My chance. My chance to meet the greats. Gone. Anyway, what are we talking about? Is Terry still there? Yep, I'm here. <laughs> All right. Any other documentaries you want to talk about, Terry? Um, I miss your. No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So, what do you think? Maybe we should start wrapping it up then. Yeah, probably. Guess. All right. Cool. Oh, can I do it? Just a quick. Honorable mention, though the last. Well, I was going to ask for honorable mention. Documentary so, yeah. I watched. I wished it was more horror to relate, but Lost Souls was fucking. It counts, man. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking holy, love Lost Souls. Shit. shit is right. That was. I mean, there are so many movies where people talk about. Oh, the behind-the-scenes stuff is so much crazier than the. That might be the epitome yeah. of. The story of the behind the scenes is so much crazier and more entertaining than the movie. I mean, having and the, <laughs> having and the movie question is Island Doctor Moreau, which is already fucked up. But I, when they were showing the the concept art that they had worked out, oh my god, I want to see that movie so bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and as much as it made me angry that we didn't get to see it, I was still kind of glad because I got to experience this fucking bonkers story about people casting black magic spells on their producers from other continents and all this weird shit. Wow. And how many people now despise Val Kilmer and Marlon Brando after watching that documentary? No respect for either of those gentlemen. Actually, I got a little more respect for Brando from that because of the stories of he's like really? that like he just knew it was garbage he hated val kilmer he thought frankenheimer was a dick and he's just like i don't really care about what we're doing so i'm just gonna fuck with him i'm gonna put an ice bucket on my head and we'll see if anyone says anything and nobody said anything to him i thought that was really funny <laughs> but val kilmer man like no fuck that guy he was <laughs> dick from day one you know i to like stand there with a lit cigarette and burn the burn the whiskers on the fo- on the beard of the focus puller, 
while a guy's trying to pull focus. What are you, fucking two? I mean, Jesus Christ, really. Oh, my God. We could just go on all night about that. Sneaking back on the set in a mask. <laughs> in a dog man mask, yep. Uh, Surrounded by a bunch of explosive material, flammable material that he could have, and given a torch. He could have totally burned the whole fucker down. Oh, so good. I just got that on Blu-ray not too long ago, too. Great, uh, great one there, yeah. Jason. Yeah. Any other honorable mentions for anybody? Machete Maidens Unleashed. Woo! It's yes. not re uh, really horror, but we've kind of <laughs> gone off the tracks here a couple of times. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so many crazy stories about the uh, Filipino exploitation movie boom. And, oh, and, yeah. And those guys, in fact, isn't it the same... Um, didn't those guys make Lost Soul? Or am I? Th I know they also did not quite Hollywood, but I was thinking and not it was quite the same Hollywood was the same guys. Yeah. But I didn't know maybe, about Lost maybe, Soul. Maybe it's not. Maybe it was somebody different. But I was thinking they'd done other things besides those two. Man, they probably have. But um, yeah, I love the, the story. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I love the story about uh, Sid Haig talking about how one night he was, you know, they were all sleeping in these crappy little huts with no doors, no windows, nothing. And he, he woke up to a noise and looked at the window and crawling over the window ledge was the biggest rat he'd ever seen holding a <laughs> kitten in its mouth. Aww. And he was like, holy shit, what am I doing here? But yeah, just oh, dude, yeah. the stuff they got up to making those those Filipino movies. Like when uh, I forget what movie it was they were talking about making, but they were explaining to the Filipino stunt guys about sugar glass. And they're like, what's that? We've just been throwing people through plate glass windows. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, the good old days. The good old days. Yeah, it's a great documentary. I think it gets a little too heavy on the Corman stuff. Because I could have used a lot more talk about, like, the the Blood Island movies. Oh, or Those or awesome. Caesar Romero's movies. Demons or... 3. Yeah, I don't think that was brought up in that documentary. It wasn't, which is really sad. The only thing I've read about that was um, Mike Gingold had an article in Fangoria about, I don't know, five, six years ago or something that was all about the production. when And, and the stories are nuts about how they would... They didn't have stunt guys, really. They had, And so they would hire locals to go off the top of buildings when they needed zombies to fall off stuff or be shot. And they would just use them until they were maimed enough to not walk or whatever. And then they would escort them away and bring another one in. And they were giving them like 10 bucks or something to do this, like for a day's worth of work. It was nuts. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a, but it sounds like a lot of those Filipino productions, like Lady Terminator, that had a lot of... Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of similar stuff. They need to do a sequel, sort of sequel, semi-sequel to that about Indonesian exploitation movie industry. That would be awesome. That would be cool. I need because I don't know enough about that. I need to know more. They're sort <laughs> of a. They're they're not as sleazy as the Filipino ones because of the the 
bans on on you know censorship things like you, you can't have nudity, all that kind of stuff. So they they edge up against the sleaze to the point where they realize they can't show nipples, but they'll make up for it by sort of mishmashing that sleazy Filipino exploitation movie style with like martial world kung fu movies, which are the ones that have the fantastical elements. So when they when they get stopped from showing nudity, they're like, okay, well, we'll just throw in a kung fu wizard who shoots laser beams out of his eyes and rides a dragon instead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Indonesian <laughs> movies are nuts. A, I think, isn't there supposed to be a documentary out there somewhere about Wang Wang? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the search for the search for Wang Wang or In Search of Whoa, Wang Wang, something like really? that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, is it good? I've never seen it. Yeah, me neither. Oh. I just heard about it. I want to find it. Oh. Um, His nipples are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> if that was only the first time I've heard Justin say that. <laughs> that and I want to get the full Wang Wang film collection, too. You just like saying Wang Wang. It's, and nipples. It's, and the, nipples. it's like one of the world's smallest men playing James Bond. <laughs> In a movie called For Your Height Only. Oh, it's, yes. And that's the one you see his nipples in it. And he oh, also yeah. has a hat that he throws that he can like control so it hits people yep. and flies back to him. And they and it's it's kind of scary. There's one scene where he's going off a bridge and it's pretty clear they just chuck him off a bridge. <laughs> but the whole movie's like that. Like where they it's clear they're just sliding him across a room and saying, like, hold on, buddy, and whatever else. How did this guy survive all this shit? And he's <laughs> and his voice is oh man oh don't get me going on Wang Wang oh damn <laughs> we need a separate podcast where we just talk we don't talk horror movies we just talk like shitty exploitation movies and B movies and stuff man because yeah we could do a whole episode on Wang Wang <laughs> okay anyway uh, any other honorable mentions um, out we there hips only. We- <laughs> <laughs> We obviously don't need to talk about the whole thing because I think we've discussed it on the podcast before. But uh, uh, Electric Boogaloo, yes, oh, yeah. that's just uh, a really just a really good documentary in general. I mean, it covers all sorts of uh, you know genres, but makes you want to buy a lot of movies after you're done. Yeah, it does. It's yeah. a sign of a good documentary. True. I watched that one with a Netflix window open my laptop, just adding movie. I was like, I gotta see that, I gotta see that, I gotta see that. And then I wound up watching Bolero, and it's like, what the fuck did I do? This was a mistake. <laughs> I did that, but I just bought the movies instead. Oh. Which is how I ended up with uh, X-Ray and whatever the other one was. It Schizoid or Schizo? And that yeah. two-pack? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> oh, Amazon. Pictures. Good old Canon Pictures. Film company that's almost as crazy as the Filipino film scene. We were told they're coming well, back. With a few less deaths. Yeah, I heard that they're coming. Somebody to who? Where Caroline Williams. Oh yeah, Caroline Williams in her Q and A at Crypticon mentioned that Canon Pictures was coming back. Hmm. Huh. I tell everybody's excited. Well, aren't, yeah. aren't, aren't both the Go Go Boys dead though? Yeah. I think it's like there's one of her sons or something like that. Mm. I just don't see how it could ever be the same. Yeah. It, what, what's scary? It's like it's like when you make Birdemic and it ha- and it, and the success it has, and then you make Birdemic too. Yeah. You know, is it going to be too uh, self-aware? Yeah. You know, 
<clears throat> anyway, um, my honorable mentions going to pieces. You guys seen that doc mm-hmm. about the eighty slasher scene? Mm-hmm. I don't remember it very well though. I, yeah, yeah, I don't remember it either. But of course, I've seen it. Oh, I love that slasher. Watched it a thousand times. Any doc that gives you at least ten to fifteen minutes about uh, April Fool's Day is okay in my book. I so. love that movie. Nice. Me too. Uh, best worst movie, of course. Um, Terror in the Isles, which is kind of more of a compilation than it's, a documentary. Uh, so, yeah, they people say that's a documentary, but it's really like, you know. Yeah. Them talking every, you know, five to ten minutes and then a bunch of footage. <laughs> or hosting some footage. Kind of, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, it's not but, bad. It's unique no. in a way. But it's, yeah, but I love it. I mean, I grew up on Terror in the Isles. Um, a lot of my introduction of those movies that are in that was thanks to Terror in the Isles. Mm-hmm. Nightmare Factory, which was a really cool documentary about K&B. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was good. Mm-hmm. It's a little on the preachy side of CGI versus practical, but uh, um, but still a great fucking documentary, and just really makes you appreciate those KMB guys and the, and that yep. whole scene, the whole '80s, um, mid to late '80s special effects rock star scene. Uh-huh. It made you love a Hobbit too. Yeah, well, I already loved him anyway, but yeah. that opening scene where. Elijah Woods gets a tour of the KMB FX studio, oh, and he's just in awe. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that. that. Yeah, good doc, good documentary. Um, well, that was it for my honorable mentions. Anybody else? Fair enough. We talked about all documentaries. Good, all of them. All Full of them. tilt boogie. Does that count? Yo, that does count because yeah. they, it was it was originally on the DVD, but it did have its own release too. It was on. It, no, it's not anymore. What? It was it was forever, and I was gonna watch it for this show, and I and I saw it like three days before. I swear it was on there. Like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna sit down and prep for the show. Fuck, it's gone. Uh, <laughs> story of your life, Brian. Pretty much. I mean, I love. I it. haven't watched it in forever, but I remember. I remember back in the day I watched it constantly and it was it's inspiring. Very inspiring, yeah. Good one. I totally forgot about that. There's some ones I wanna see. I still need to see Screaming in High Heels. That's towards the top of my list. Um so yeah. Anyway, that's enough of that shit. Let's uh take a break. <laughs> we come back, we'll do some segments. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. And we're back. Here on Attack of Killer Podcast, it's segments time. Yeah, Woo! and let's start off with Jason and my favorite because it feeds my ego. Shoutouts. It's time for shoutouts. Hey everybody! Uh, so today we asked, "What are your favorite horror documentaries?" 
And on Facebook, Derek John says, The top two for me are Crystal Lake Memories and Never Sleep Again. Woo! Others that I like are Terror in the Isles, Going to Pieces, Great job, everyone. Happy to be back and caught up again to all the episodes. Yeah, he was freaking out last week. <laughs> computer yeah, I've yeah. never seen that. <laughs> oh, and then uh, Gerald Martin. He uh, says, The American Nightmare. Oh, fuck. We didn't talk about that one. That's a good one. Not only the best horror movie documentary I've seen, but one of the best docs I've ever seen. It Ooh. examines the trend in America, American horror movies. From 1968 to 1978, and relates radical innovations in horror cinema to what was going on in American society. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds pretty cool. And we had Willis Wheeler say, Never Sleep Again, Crystal Lake, Halloween 25 Years of Terror. Oh, we forgot about that one. We could yeah. never forget. Uh, American Nightmare, The Doc, On the Night of the Living Dead DVD. From Dimension Films. Hmm. Okay. And more brains. More brains. And then Derek Johns commented on Willis's comment. He <laughs> said, I can't find more brains. I need to see it. Oh. Come man. over and you can borrow mics. Or you can watch it with him. You can hang out here and watch it. And then we had Jack Christensen say, Dario Argento's World of Horror. Yeah. I saw it before I saw any Argento movies. Oh, interesting. Found it as a young horror fan hungry for new content. Lucky guy. Then we had Mark Davies say, My faves have already been mentioned, Never Sleep Again, and American Nightmare. And Charlie Haugham says, Faces of Death. Ooh, we didn't get any Faces of Death talk. No. And that's all we had on Facebook by the time we read these. And then on that old Twitter... We had Sean Hutchins at FatPunk68 says, Room 237 <laughs> was good fun. <laughs> also, The Fear of God, Exorcist Doc, oh. by, U- by UK film critic Mark Kermode, was excellent. I want the genre taken seriously. You and me both, son. Mm-hmm. You and me both. And then our old pal Nalani Proctor at Nalani Proctor says, The first episode of Documentary Now on Netflix is Horror Gold. It's a mockumentary, but man, does it scare at the end. I actually, you know, Dustin has been on my case about watching that, and I yeah. finally watched Did it. Did you? It's really good. That first episode is really awesome. Oh, cool. Oh, are you okay? I'm fine. Right? <laughs> Push that button. Come on, life alert. Thank you. And uh, that's all we had on Twitter. And, you know, you can always, anytime you leave your comments on either, we'll read them on the show. Or if you haven't commented by now, you can always call in at 415-952-6857. That's also 415-95-AOTKP. And leave your voicemail and we can play it on the show. But that's shout-outs. Shout-outs. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome, Mike. So, let's um, let's go over to John with his segment, The Altar of Stalter. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is uh, another uh, segment of Altar of Stalter. 
I'm going to talk about a new movie that Shelf or Screen Factory just put out called The Funhouse Massacre. I picked this up randomly at Best Buy for one reason and one reason only. It's got Clint Howard in it. Yeah. <laughs> I am so glad that I picked this up. It actually has some some actor that I think a few people have heard of, uh, Robert Englund. I don't know. Has Ooh. that guy done much? No. <laughs> he, he's not in it for very long anyway, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But this is actually one of the funnest horror movies I've seen uh, all year. Like, it's actually funny. It's gory. It's got a cool, you know, story. So the whole thing is there's an under, basically an underground or secret uh, facility that houses, like, the sickest of the sickos. Like, these are serial killers that were just too fucked up for prison or any other, you know, facility. So they just lock them away. Well, through a few circumstances, they get released, and they take over a haunted house complex, which was actually it was actually filmed at a real haunted house complex. Uh, I think, uh, what was it called? Land of Illusion Haunted Haunted Scream Park in Ohio, Middleton, Ohio, to be exact. So what it is is each each killer kind of has its own thing. Like uh, Clint Howard plays a taxidermist. One guy plays a dentist. Another guy plays kind of a, a, a fake prophet kind of thing. And the whole haunted house complex has been set up through certain events to be like, you know, what these guys, you know, actually did. So there's the dentist office. There's, you know, the taxidermist place. Um, it's actually gory as fuck. It's hilarious. Uh, Jerry Burns plays kind of the ringleader of the group called, uh, oh God, what is his name? Mental Manny. He's kind of the prophet of the group. And he is just hilarious. Like, you can tell he had a lot of fun playing the role. Just like really gets into just being this complete nutbag that's taking over a haunted house complex. And nobody knows that it's fake. Like, they're going around killing, you know, you know, one guy will walk in with a group of his friends and they're like, you go first, Jimbo or whatever his name is. And they'll kill him right in front of his friends. They're like, oh, man, this is so realistic. And they're like, I'm going to Instagram this. And it really kind of shows how people are desensitized to violence. Like, they really have no clue that their friends are being killed literally right in front of them. And they even kind of make fun of that, that towards the end of the movie. They're like, seriously, guys, we've been killing people all night. And you guys didn't even notice. Like, what hmm. the fuck is wrong with you? You guys are stupid. And they lock him in there and then all hell breaks loose. But it's it's a lot of fun, and I highly recommend it. I mean, it's it's one of the best horror movies I've seen all year. Ooh, cool. I, I mean, I it's I've watched it twice now, and it's just as fun the second time around. Cool, that's awesome. Thank you for that. It's awesome. Got me excited to see it now. Got your nipples hard. Nipples. Nipples. Speaking of nipples, <laughs> there's a man with a panty fetish that coincides with the baloney fetish. You're thinking, what is this man really into? Round things? Yeah, round things that look like nipples. There's so much more to Mike than that. There's so much more to Mike than that. There's years of movie making. There's passionate love for bathroom decoration. <laughs> <laughs> Most recently, a lot of love 
for a thing called Insane's Picks. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I present to you the sexiest motherfucker in Iowa, <laughs> Insane Mike Saunders. Nipple. <laughs> <laughs> I just about spoke. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that introduction, Justin. That um, was an introduction. So my pick for Insane's Pick this episode, Pick Pick, pick is a movie called Pick. <laughs> Stars a nice pick. Um, no, it's a documentary about Don Dollar... The great filmmaker from the early 80s who did such classics as Alien Factor, Night Beast, Galaxy Invader, Fiend, Blood Massacre. Yes, the documentary Blood, Boobs, and Beast, which was released by Troma um, a few years back. Now, who's Dom, Don Dollar? Well, I just told you. First of all, he directed Alien Factor, Night Beast, so. Uh, he's a filmmaker from Baltimore, Maryland. So there's more than just John Waters in Baltimore. Whoa, 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 right. what? Exactly. Whoa. This doc, <laughs> this doc, it's it's a little short. It's only like an hour and like uh, hour and fifteen minutes long, I believe. But it's it's a really good documentary. And if you've ever seen any of Don's films, um, <clears throat> you know they are special and unique. Um. And it's it's really cool to get kind of an insight on that. And uh, um, if you're a huge fan of Don, you're, you still will learn a thing or two from this documentary. What's also cool, it's a lot of talking heads of people who have been in his films, his family, his friends, um, you know, his film partners, um, people who have actually gone on to have legitimate film careers uh, who has done stuff with Dom. Um, other people in the industry as well, uh, <clears throat> uh, and but uh, but also beyond the talking heads, what's also cool is that there's a lot of like stuff filmed of Don during the time of the making of the documentary, because while they were making the documentary, they were making uh, Don's newest film, Dead Hunt. So there's a lot of behind the scenes of shooting Dead Hunt. So it's kind of cool. We talked about Document of the Dead. And the film crew following around the filming of of uh, Dawn of the Dead. Now you get the other side of the spectrum of completely no budget, not not uh, truly know what they're doing, and filming a movie called Dead Hunt. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely eye opening, a really cool documentary, also really inspiring if you uh, are a filmmaker or want to be a filmmaker yourself, and listening to Don do it his way because he wanted to do it and tells starts right off movie starts right off with don talking about how he got into the business and he was working i can't remember whatever nine to five job he had at the time post office i believe wasn't it what's the post yeah. office and then um the day when there when a guy came in to rob the place and had a gun to don's head and don's life kind of flashing before his eyes i realized that this is something he wanted to do, and he decided just to do it because life is too short. So, very inspiring start to the career. 
and then it goes through um, his time uh, with the fanzine, the Cinema Magic magazine, um, and how that was kind of a pioneer magazine for uh, sci-fi and horror fans because it was the first magazine that really showed you how to do the special effects. Um, <clears throat> a lot of great stories in there about like how he ended up quitting filmmaking because of Blood Massacre, how he ended up shooting the movie twice um, because he shot the movie once and showed the footage to the to an investor, and the investor's like, well, if we shoot it on, f uh, what, how much would it cost to start over, do the movie again, and shoot it on film this time? And so he shot it a second time on film. The investor kind of took off with the movie, and it got frustrated Don, so he kind of quit filmmaking after that. He said he filmed he filmed the same movie twice and had nothing to show for it, so he ended up quitting. Only to return about 14 years later with a slew of direct-to-DVD direct releases, kind of starting off getting into some more softcore stuff um, before Don kind of like put a kibosh on that and kind of got back to his roots. Unfortunately, uh, Don died in 2006, and the movie follows him all the way up to towards the end of his life when he was diagnosed with cancer. And... and um, kind of turning over his film company over to his partner. So it gets a little tear-jerky at the end, but uh, it's definitely worth a watch. It's it's on Troma's channel on Netflix, or on, uh, sorry, on YouTube, so you can see it entirety on YouTube. Um, definitely something different from Troma. It's a, actually a really good documentary. So I would recommend checking it out. Blood, Boobs, and Beast. You had me at... Blood, boobs, and beasts. Trey. had me in boobs. Three Bs <laughs> to a successful horror movie. It is a great documentary. Cool, you've seen yep. it. Awesome. Yep. I, yeah, I dig pretty... Don's, well, his, his older work. I'm not, I don't really care about the Skinamax <laughs> vampire movies, but yeah, yeah the, the old stuff where he was, you know, building crazy alien monster suits in his garage and that, you know, Galaxy Invader, uh, Alien Factor, Night Beast, yeah, that stuff's a lot of fun. Always been a big fan of Night Beast, and now I kind of want to go. I I had never even heard of Blood Massacre until this documentary. I kind of want to find it. Yeah, I would love to see that one because they showed a couple of little scenes from it, didn't they? Yeah, the, they, yeah. they showed yeah. a bit from it actually. Both versions, like the original, like shot on video version, and then when he remade it on film. So somebody still. I mean, that whoever that investor took off with it. Uh, you know, well, somebody still got it, or at least part of it. So yeah, let's. Well, it got distribution. It had a release. Oh, it did. Okay. Yeah, it had a release. Just it just was out of Don's hands. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, and I love how it talks about like when he did his first film, Alien Factor, and and how he was able to sell that to to um, television stations because everybody. You know, Star Wars was so big at the time that all television stations wanted to show was sci-fi, and here he had this like cheap sci-fi film with no cursing, no nudity, and he was able to sell it cheaply to all these television stations. Like, man, talk about being in the right place at the right time, you know? Well, and it's easy to see how too, because yeah, like you know, the acting is terrible and the script isn't very good in that, but as as cheaply as he made the movie, and as as primitive a, a 
stuff as he had to work with. The effects in it are really quite good. Like the monster suits are really cool. He manages some stop motion, some matte shot, like composite shots that like, you know, to do this with, I would assume maybe one camera and, you know, the bare minimum of whatever editing equipment he had, like he pulled off some pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So check it out. Blood, boobs, and beast. So that's it. Yeah. It's the end of the episode. Yeah, I was hoping we could pimp that before we, if that's okay. But before we go, we have something to pimp. Heck yeah. Y'all heard about the Justin Beam Radio Hour? Yeah. No, I haven't. What is it? I don't know. If only we had an expert on the situation to, to talk about it. If only we knew somebody by the name of Justin Beam who probably would know something about the Justin Beam radio hour. Too bad he left. <laughs> oh, he's gone. <laughs> did you not re- did you really Oops. not realize he was gone, Mike? <laughs> no, we were on his Facebook page. Uh, yeah, he's been gone for a few minutes. Oh, he okay. also flipped you off, so. Oh, well then, fuck well, his radio you know hour. What? We're not going to pimp his awesome new show. <laughs> So Justin's got his own podcast now. Um, do you know any more details about it, Jason? Yeah. He announced his first guest. Yeah, and I'm fucking jealous. Who was his first guest? The director of Begotten. Shadow the Vampire. Oh, yes. E-E-Lease. Well, he's a really big fan of Begotten, so. Yeah. That's awesome. And he did that really sweet article a few years back in Fango on him. And I like how he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm friends with the director. You know, we've been talking about this shit for a while. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> well, you, Mr. Fancy Pants, friends with everybody. Why don't you just, why don't you just call up John Carpenter? <laughs> and he would. And yeah, he's like, all right, I will. He might be a guest coming up. Yeah, of <laughs> course. <laughs> anyway, proud so of our cool. guy. And yep. he's, he's done he's, a lot of supporting of this show and a lot of other podcasts so it's really cool that he's doing his own now and doing his own thing in the podcast world so we want to share our support to him so check out the justin beam radio hour at justinbeam.com yeah justinbeam.com um coming soon hopefully i don't know the the details because he left july 10th episode one okay july 10th episode one which would be soon yeah if you're listening to this. Or already. When is this one here? Don't you know? Yeah, I don't know shit. Show? <clears throat> anyway. So thanks, everybody, for being on. It was a good show. Um, thanks, everybody out there, for listening. And keep on rocking in the free world. Thank you, and good night. <laughs> oh, no. Could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.